Welcome back to Tailgates and Turnovers, the official Film Crew College football podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, joined tonight by our Bayou Bengal, Gray. What's going on, brother? What's up, man? Uh, tough weekend, but uh, I'm very happy with the season and ready for bowl season. It's been a fun season across the country. Yeah, it really has. A lot of parity this season, I think. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously for you, last, like you said, not a great weekend. Never, never fun when you get a 50 burger hung on you, but. All things considered for what LSU accomplished this season and what they were expected to accomplish, I think they can hold their head up high. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, especially considering where, you know, where everything was. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think we just need to get right into the games here. Um, probably do a couple of the other ones, try to go semi-chronologically for these. So let's start. With the the last game, actually, uh, number eleven Utah beating number four USC forty-seven to twenty-four, and man, that USC defense is bad. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it was it's it's reminiscent of Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley, but you know, yep. <laughs> uh, There's a common thread there, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, man. I mean, that was that was tough. Uh, Utah obviously is just a, you know, I guess it'd be obviously the better team. Um, they beat them, what twice this year, so yeah, shit. I mean, I mean, the, the first time it was only by with a two point conversion that was at home. This was yeah. neutral field and yeah, arguably a road game for them, like yeah. closer as, to a true road game than anything. As much as LSU Georgia was, so yeah, yeah, exactly. And so forty seven twenty four, obviously. You know, Caleb Williams getting hurt was huge for how mm-hmm. this game turned out. I mean, if what if you take away his mobility, you take away a huge part of his game. And you know, yeah. we saw the week before when they played Notre Dame just how deadly that can be if he's able to fully utilize that. So, being able to take away that aspect of the game, like mm-hmm. you, that was huge for Utah being able to do what they do. And you know, obviously, we we and everybody else had kind of been a little down on Utah over the as the season had gone on. You know, a couple bad losses. Mm-hmm. But I think this kind of proved they're still a good football team. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, our picks are still safe from preseason. You know, we called Utah went in the uh Pac twelve uh... <laughs> accidentally got the pick right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So um but yeah, I mean uh Caleb Williams is obviously a, a ball player, like he he still played very well, um all all things given, but uh yeah, I mean it <sighs> If you can't run and you're and that you have that capability, you're still going to look to run, but your body won't let you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's not just a instinct that you can shake mid game. Um, so right. yeah, I mean, like what that you know, obviously not being able to run that affects your offensive line because then they've got to be able to hold off the rush longer. And right. The run game, you're not as much of a threat because then you can kind of just focus in on the running back instead of worrying about like a quarterback option or anything like that. So, right. you know, it it doesn't make their game one dimensional, but it definitely it maybe drops it down from three dimensional to two dimensional. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and the crazy thing is, he still had a great game, like 363 yeah. yards and three touchdowns. Like he he yeah, the dude is going to win the Heisman, and it, it is much deserved. Like. He yeah, was a Heisman so he, favorite coming into the season, and he very much earned all, every bit of that. Yeah, I mean, he had a fucking great year. Uh, 
I mean, I was I was bought in on him last year, you know, ever since he made that play where he ripped the ball from his running back and got that yeah. first down. Like, I mean, that's just instinctual. That's a heads like, up play. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can't like this. You can't teach that. Like they say. Um, so, yeah, it, he's going to be great um, next year. Um, and then uh, I, I assume he'll be a decent court, like a good to decent quarterback in the NFL. So um, they're, they're going to be back next year. They're going to be. I th- I'd say in the same position. I would say so too. I mean, I think they're probably going to be the favorites to win the Pac-12 next year. Yeah. Um, it's just got it's tough with that deep. Like they have got to be able to turn that roster over on the defensive side of the ball. And you know they they had a really good turnover mar- race, uh, turnover margin this year. Mm-hmm. But it's on like that's not a sustainable thing, especially from game to game. And this showed that. Like yeah. Utah on offense, they pretty much established their will and were able to do whatever, especially as the game wore on. Like they just ground that off that defense down and we're just able to move the ball at will on them. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, another thing is like, they need to get their, like it's, it's a systemic defense problem, you know, like even at the the second level, the cornerbacks, they're getting burnt half the time. So you can't win, especially against a team like Utah, who has a prolific offense that can expose that. You know, um, so yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they got to look to the portal because they need some immediate help. Yeah, they do. And yeah, Alex Grinch was is his, the defensive coordinator at SC, and he was brought over from Oklahoma. You got to think that Lincoln Riley is looking at other options potentially. I mean, he has to. Like, it wasn't working at Oklahoma, and, and you, you're pretty much, you know, doing a sidestep to USC because the Pac-12 is pretty much the same offensively as the big 12 and well more so less defense you know the defenses are pretty much the same um but yeah i mean you know uh utah is still just a good team overall like their defense is uh, probably the best in the pac 12 right oh i would say so for sure yeah so i mean i don't know you you can't win with just offense like and then especially because you can't like if your quarterback gets hurt, then you're really fucked. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, he he's like we said earlier, he's still gonna win the Heisman. Like he's still an elite quarterback, even if he is not able to, you know, run the ball while in the pocket or anything like that. But mm-hmm. like if you take that away from him and you can just focus on the running back and focus on the the run game, like they're force them to beat you through the air and they're gonna they're gonna get theirs. Like that's yeah. not you know, that's not in doubt, but you're, mm-hmm. if you're able to do that, you're able to stop a big part of what SC can do on offense there. So, um, you know, going into next season, obviously, Williams is still going to be the starter there, and they're still going to have a pretty talented offensive line, which, uh, you know, I was definitely down on their offensive and defensive lines this year, but their offensive line has proven me wrong. So, yeah, uh, you know, much respect to them on the offensive side of the ball for sure. It's just that, oh, that defensive side is rough. Yeah, and I, I don't know who he could target. Um, I don't know names that are available or, you know, um, t- that, have, that have ties to him. Yeah, that have ties to him, that's the tougher part. But, you know, I would say that the hottest defensive coordinator name out there is going to be Jim Leonard if he doesn't get a head coaching job somewhere. Where Where is he? He was a Wisconsin defensive coordinator. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And he's, he's sticking with them through the bowl game, but then he is leaving after that, so – uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. You got to think he's probably getting an offer somewhere to be the head coach, but 
Yeah. We'll talk a little bit more about the coaching carousel later, but I mean, the options are kind of running out for him. So it'll be interesting to see what he does there. Yeah. But uh, on the Utah side of the ball, they go into the Rose Bowl, obviously. It's awesome for them. Going to be a fun Rose Bowl, I think we'll talk about here shortly. But, um, you know, they ended up putting it all together in all phases this weekend. So, you know, big props to to the Utes. And thank God we did not see Yessie make the playoff. I, yeah. I'm going to let some of my guys seep in there. But, my God, I was I was sweating that. Especially year one. <laughs> yeah. That would have been, been a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, they don't need any more validation. And next year, like next year's the last year before they join the Big Ten, the competition level just skyrockets. And, and the twelve team, you know, so they they probably they, they might. Yeah, next year with the twelve team playoff, like or unless they years, take some yeah. major. I thought it was next, like next season is going to be the start of it. There's mm-hmm. a two years, Se- okay, season after that. Gotcha. So yeah, their first season in the Big Ten, like they yeah, they got to do it next year, or else it's going to be a lot more difficult for them going forward. That's the way I feel about LSU, but we'll get there. Yeah, and I, like both teams are set up for success. I think LSU is probably set up a little bit more for success just due to the fact that they are closer to a lot of the higher end uh, line talent than SC is. Like, absolutely, West Coast just does not have a ton of talent in the trenches mm-hmm. compared to like the Southeast or you know just the Midwest th- those regions. So. SC's going to have to go into those places and recruit, which, you know, by joining the big, they'll be able to get some airtime out there. Like, they'll be able to go into the Midwest and probably pull a couple guys, but they, they need to address that, especially on the defensive front. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the Pac-12. SC obviously out of the playoff in Utah in the Rose Bowl. Uh, next up, we've got the Big 12, which I would say game of the week. Yeah, I was watching this uh, the whole game, and it it was nuts. Um, it's just such a fun game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah. And, you know, overtime. Whenever you get an overtime in a conference championship game, that just you know that kicks it to the top of the rankings for sure in terms of mm-hmm. enjoyment. But uh, Max Duggan, what a warrior! Like that dude, he left it all on the field on Saturday, and that was awesome to see. Like he emotionally, physically, just left everything out there. And he almost pulled it off. Yeah. I mean, that that was one of those, you know, one man, let me carry y'all to the top performances. Um, I mean, he that that run that he had was so insane. Insane. Uh, I, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's just a fucking beast. Like, I, I, there's no other way to say it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, he's a fucking prolific player. He's just so much fun to watch. He is, and uh, this was a battle of two good teams. Like this was, yeah, you know, all of the all of these conference championships, you have good teams pretty much. But this was a very evenly matched game throughout. Mm-hmm. Kansas State pulled them off the comeback in the fourth quarter to bring it even and send it to overtime. But you know, the, at the end of the day, you got to win your game. Like luckily, I say luckily because I th- this is the result that I thought should happen. TCU didn't get knocked out of the playoff for this loss. Um, was very worried that they were going to knock him down or at least, you know, knock him out or anything like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, they ended up sticking in there, which is good. But it does kind of show the limitations, I think, of this team going into the playoff. And I think everybody kind of knows that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's hard because, you know, the Big 12 this year, like, this was their year screaming for respect, you know, mm-hmm. because, like, from top to bottom, they had – 
so many solid teams. It was know? this was not a top heavy conference like the, the no, ten yeah. or the S- like these were just good teams. Like all but like two of them, yeah, were are going bowling. Like th- this is a good conference. Yeah, and it's in it. You know, one of the two is not Kansas, so uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, Kansas it, is going fucking bowling <laughs> this year. Like yeah, that just shows you how competitive this conference was this year. Yeah, no, and it was fun to watch. Um, a lot of the games were fun to watch uh, throughout the season. You know, you even had Texas going toe to toe with Alabama. Like, it, it was a great season for the Big Twelve. I, they're in the playoff. Like, I think they're they're happy with. You it, know. Yeah, completely agree. And like, they've got they've got good teams coming in to mm-hmm. fill to refill their ranks. Uh, it's going to be tough to replace Texas and OU, obviously, but. You know, Cincinnati obviously has a national profile now. UCS have, has a national profile. You got Houston. Like, you, you've got some good squads coming in there. That's going to make this a really fun conference to to watch going forward. But yeah, you know, all props to K State too for doing their thing. Like Deuce Vaughn, nothing monster. Twenty six yeah. carries for one hundred thirty yards, including a forty four yard run. Like his run the, was nasty too. Yeah, he is the real deal. Like his twitch is insane. He's able to he's able to change directions on a dime. Just incredible stuff to watch for K State. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a really nice like NFL pick late round pickup. Yeah, it's crazy that these dudes are so good in college and they end up going in like day three. Yeah, I mean, you know, because like it's a running back, you know, like you're yeah. not gonna. It, it's just it's hard to pick a running back in the first round now. As it should be. It's yeah, it should yeah. be hard. Like that's you know not to veer too much into the NFL, but using a first round pick on any running back is just dumb. Like like you know for real quick example, the Saints traded up to draft Mark Ingram in the first round, and we drafted Alvin Kamara in the fourth. And who had who's had the better career? You know. Yeah, exactly, and. Like even guys like Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley is probably the biggest example of this. Like nothing against Saquon Barkley as a player, he's phenomenal. Yeah, but the giant like you can't you can't build a team around a running back. Yeah, you you can't because a they get injured so much, and yeah. Saquon has been proof of that. And b like just with the way the NFL is now, it's a passing league, mm-hmm. and running back by committee is just kind of the name of the game, and you know you have to be able to build around a quarterback instead of a running back running backs, especially if you're even thinking about picking them in like the top 10, just do not do it. You know, the average lifespan of an NFL running back, like, you know, career wise is four seasons. I was going to say it's like three or four. Yeah. Yeah. Just, because there's so, you know, there's so many mid to bottom guys that don't pan out. Like the only, the only guys that we know are the guys that are the top 1% pretty much. And there's a ton of guys out of college that are very good that can come out and take a dude's spot. Like, exactly. Like you have a Deuce Vaughn that is going to end up being a guy who is a, who in a rotation in a committee and just able to make plays for these NFL teams. But, you know, three or four seasons when that rookie contract is up, there's going to be another guy just like Deuce Vaughn coming out. Yep. Yep. So, um, but, but yeah, anyway, back to the, this game specifically, he had a monster day and he is very obviously like the focal point of this offense, I would say, but Will Howard also had a pretty good game. He, he availed himself pretty well there, which is good for, you know, the near future for Kansas state. Obviously the, uh, the Adrian Martinez experiment has to end at some point, I hope, but, um, but yeah, I mean, they're in a good spot going forward and they're going to finish out a top 10 team. I can't remember who they play in a bowl, but um, uh, is it is it the Cotton Bowl that they play? No, they play USC. Yeah, I'm not sure who who Kansas State plays. 
in a, in bowl season. But you know, we can talk more about that tomorrow when we do our bowl previews and everything like that. Just kind of breaking into those. But yeah, a, a great football game overall. Like this was a really fun one to watch, and this one, as a neutral, this one was probably the game to watch like this past weekend. Yeah. Oh, Kansas State's playing in the uh, Sugar against Alabama. Oh, they'll, okay. They'll, that might. They'll have fun with that one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's gonna be interesting because man, that's one of those things where Bama. Obviously, this is not the same Bama team, and we've talked about that ad nauseum already. It's not the same Bama team that we've come to expect, but they're two plays away from being undefeated. Like This yeah, is yeah. still a very good football team. So who knows, though? Kansas State might be able to just shock shock the world. Yeah, you, you might see a, um unmotivated Bama, but unlikely. Possible. In my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree it's unlikely, but you never, you never know. Bowl season. Right. Right. Crazy things happen sometimes. Right. But, uh, yeah, so that's the Big 12 championship. Kansas State wins that one, and they are off to the Sugar Bowl. TCU remains in the playoff, and they're going to be in the Fiesta Bowl against Michigan. Uh, before we get to Michigan, though, we're going to talk about the SEC championship where we had the Georgia Bulldogs play the LSU Tigers. And, Gray, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one since this, these are your boys. Okay. Uh the thing I liked most about this game was our resiliency, obviously. Um, you know, the first half was fucking nutty, uh, to say the least, um, with that, you know, blocked field goal and then the return and then, the you know, the interception bouncing off of Jack Besh's helmet. Um, it was just a wild game. Uh, it looked promising to start off, and then that, that kick six happened, and I was like, okay. That kicks, man, that was the most head – not to bag uh, on LSU. No, but that yeah, was some heads down stuff right there. Yeah, I mean they deserve that. I mean, you know, like it, that was great by Georgia's Georgia special. That was that was really really heads up football too to let it just before it would have gotten blown dead to then go yeah. ahead and pick it up. Like that was that was special football IQ there right there. Yeah, exactly. And you know, uh, it, and that's hard because. <laughs> It come it came down to special team. Like I mean, it didn't come down to it. Obviously, we you know we lost by fifty. But uh, yeah, that's that's what ran away with it was the special teams. You know, just woes all season. And uh, yeah, it, yeah. All thanks, of, for taking, thanks for taking Paulian off our hands. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's tough. Yeah, uh, I, I don't want to see him back, or at least you know I know he, I've heard he's a good recruiter. So I would like to keep him on staff, but you know, in a different position. And he was hope- really good uh, recruiting Hawaii. Like that yeah. was his like specialty area. So I mean, you know, if you're yeah, looking some, at any guys out there, but you get some big linemen out of there. So yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, second half, I loved what I saw out of Mettenberger. I'm er, sorry, Mettenberger Nussmeyer. Uh, he played the best game of his career so far. Um, you know, he the one thing I'll. The one thing about him is he does not give a fuck. He will air that shit out. Uh, he's always looking to throw it deep, you know. Um, so, hey, I've seen some people talking about, oh, we should have seen this all year with Nussmeyer. I'm like, no, hold on. Give Jane Daniels his props. It is not like he was in the best position. He he put us in the best position to win multiple times, and he came into this week banged up. Um I don't he, think Nussmeyer wins that Bama game. No, oh no, no. I think he throws like three picks, gets benched. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so um, if Daniels, I love, I love that man. He he tried so hard for so long to stay out there. 
Um, it, you know, it, he was so banged up against AM coming out of that, and then he got banged up this week. Um, but it, it was a great season. I'm uh, hopeful that he'll play in the bowl game. Uh, yeah, who, who are y'all playing? We are playing Purdue in the Ooh. Citrus Bowl in Orlando. A head coachless Purdue as of right now. Yes, I'm very excited. I saw that news and I got very excited. You know, I'm, I'm not that I thought we might lose, but uh, yeah, I'm confident. You know, in that game, but uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, going back to this game, it Georgia looks unstoppable. They, yeah, they're probably about to roll. Um, kind of like what we said at the beginning of the year, like it's Georgia and then everybody else, like yeah. They're yeah. on a tier all their own. They're it's an insane squad they got there. Um, I know. Um, and, and you know, uh, it's not like anyone else would have done any better. You know, like Alabama maybe, but like at the same time, they, they would have got rolled too. You know, it's it's yep. it's just how good Georgia is this year. Um, last year they got a fucking you know quarterback the same age as Lamar. Uh, Stetson. I've been final with Stetson Bennett. Everybody, which yeah. I. Still not happy about that decision. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, experienced quarterback goes a long, long way, especially in college. Um, yeah. You know, like – He's it, 25. He's 25. Like, the dude is – Yeah. Man of, it, it can be a man amongst boys out there sometimes. And yeah. We saw how we, good Brandon Reed was whenever he came in there in uh, Oklahoma State. So, um, but, yeah – Georgia, tough game. Uh, I liked how resilient we were. I liked the season. I love the season we had. You know, there's a lot of highs. There's some lows, low lows, high highs. So, overall, it was a great season. And I did not expect, definitely did not expect to be playing in this game or to have the opportunity to go to the playoff, you know, have everything in front of us at one point in time. So, uh, yeah. It was and honestly, the A and M game, like if y'all had won that game, maybe that was a motivational thing too, or maybe you'll come into the this game with a little more juice. But yeah, after that, you kind of know that even if you win, you're out of the playoff there. So that's you know, you never know what happens yeah. week to week in college football. But yeah, I think long term the perspective on you guys is really good. So I guess now I can ask you now that the regular season is over, before we get into the bowl game, mm-hmm. Brian Kelly. Obviously, we both have a we're we're both invested in how yeah. Brian Kelly does at LSU. So, you know, compare your preseason thoughts on him to how you're feeling about him now. Okay, so whenever I first found out the news, I was like, "Oh, Brian Kelly, what? He has, like he hasn't really <laughs> done much. He gets shit on Alabama anytime he plays them. Uh, just yeah, I mean, you know, uh, just that. And then you know, as off season's going on, I'm like, "All right, all right." it was a knee jerk reaction and he's a solid head coach. He's won everywhere he's been. Um, so yeah, like I was, I was comfortable with it going into the season. I expected us to, you know, flirt with nine, flirt with nine, realistically eight, maybe seven. Uh, so yeah, I mean, now it's, this whole season is, has just been so nuts, you know, beating Alabama. That's like, one of the best nights I can remember for an LSU, like LSU game. Um, like it was just such a fun season, and Brian Kelly has a lifetime contract, in my opinion. Um, you know, I mean, pretty much does. He's got a ten-year deal, but uh, 
<laughs> but yeah, so uh, I'll give them. I'll give this season an A plus. Or uh, no, no, so, sorry, A plus would be playoff. But I'll give it. Yeah, I'll give it a, say, a plus. That's... Yeah. Uh, considering where we were, though, I, I'd say a a a minus. A minus. I'll go A. Let's say A minus feels about where it should be for y'all. Like, yeah. Obviously, if it wasn't for that A and M loss, I feel like you could go into it with a solid A. Like, even get even yeah. if you did get your brakes blown off by Georgia in the SEC championship, you oh, could still yeah. go into that. Say we lost two games in the regular season to a team that should have been in the playoff and then another top 25 team like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll also say this. The little knock also comes from the A&M loss because A&M can hold this over on us. If we, even if we beat them the next 10 years, they can still hold it over on us. Hey, we beat y'all and ruin y'all's chances in Brian Kelly's first year. Uh, like, you know, they, they, they love They're a bad team this year. Like, that. yeah, yeah, exactly. Y'all lost to our worst team. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, makes it tough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, it's all fun. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm very excited for the future. I'm hoping, hoping Jane Daniels comes back because if he does, it, really, it feels like a 2019 year. So you're, so you would rather have Daniels come in than roll with the nuts bus? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, because that having that runability like is yeah. so huge, and you know, he made some like insane throws throughout the year. So like, I'm not knocking his throwing ability. Um, he, I did notice he, he, one thing he doesn't do as well is under throws the ball on deep balls. Mm-hmm. Um, not as his, much natural arm talent. That's his biggest, that's his biggest flaw in my opinion. Um, yeah. and I don't think he runs too much. I, I think we had, I think our receivers were not as good as, you know, everyone likes to say they were. Yeah. Um, Speaking of which, though. Yep. Boutte. Your, boy, your boy's coming back. <laughs> I did not expect that at all. I was, I was about like, to say, I don't think anybody did. Like, no, he was number seven. Shocker. You know what I mean? He was number seven. Like, that's the number you get before you go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm very, very excited for that one. Uh, yeah. And that that has to, you know, get me thinking, like, he he's comfortable with Nuss, I'm sure, but it had to have helped this decision to know whether or not Jaden Daniels is coming back. So on that note, obviously you got Nussmeyer. If Jaden Daniels comes back, probably Nussmeyer on the bench again. Yeah, Nussmeyer either Nussmeyer might transfer. So that was going to be my question: Are you more worried about Nussmeyer transferring, or you're more worried about Walker Howard transferring? Oh, Walker Howard for sure. More worried about it. Because I've seen, I've you know, I've seen a full game with Nussmeyer. We played against Arkansas. Played yeah. terrible. I mean, yeah. it was his freshman year, but like, and that's the thing too. Freshman, like, it's kind of like rookies in the NFL where expectations are just insanely high because of yeah. their rating, whether that be their draft status or you know what their star rating was coming out of high school. You get insane expectations for these guys when you you got to realize these are the youngest dudes in their respective leagues. So yeah, mistakes are going to be made. Right, and I'll say this: the everyone's favorite player is the backup quarterback. Oh yeah, dude, I'm a Bears fan. I know, I know exactly <laughs> what that's like. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So, Just, um, but yeah, I mean, and even this year in the Southern game, he had one of the dumbest plays yeah. I've ever seen. He had a bad interception. He was running out of bounds, and they just said "fuck it" and threw it, and they just mm-hmm. intercept. It was what like right to the defender. It it was just bad decision making on his part. Yeah. Um. 
So, yeah, like the small sample size that we have seen of him, like this is obviously an outlier, and this could just be the FCC championship game, him playing out of his mind. Like, all right, yeah. we have nothing to lose. I might as well just fucking throw Go it. Go for it. Yeah, like, you know, we were down by 20 when he came in. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, I would much rather take a take no sample size of Walker Howard than take the sample size I have of Nussmeyer. That's pretty fair. Um, on the other side of the ball, obviously Georgia. We talked about them already. Just looking like a wagon. Like, yeah, I mean they, they're 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 going to win it all. They're playing Ohio State in the playoff, and people been hearing a lot of people say like, oh, "Who would they rather play between Ohio State or you know anybody else?" And they would say they would they'd rather play anybody else before Ohio State. And like Georgia is just juiced up Michigan. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw we literally saw this game play out a week and a half ago at this point. Like, yeah, I'm not sure what people are expecting with this game because, like, if Ohio State is getting beat by 20 at home against Michigan, like, what do you think is going to happen with the, <laughs> yeah. with the most talented team in the country? Like, yeah, and, I just, by a good margin, in my opinion, you know, yeah, uh, like, it, I don't want to knock on Michigan too hard. Because they do have a great team, but it's not it, as much talent as Georgia. Like not, yeah, not even yeah. close. Yeah, and, and the quarterback play is like just oh. different, in my opinion. Yeah, you know? I mean JJ um, McCarthy. I think JJ McCarthy definitely has a higher ceiling than what Stetson Bennett is. I think oh, we've absolutely. Seen, we've seen Stetson Bennett's ceiling, and he is a good college quarterback. Yep. Yep. But like, as of right now. J- Stetson is better than JJ just because you know Stetson's twenty five and JJ McCarthy is like maybe <laughs> twenty, like, yeah, like nineteen twenty, yeah. He's got a whole five years on the dude at the very least. Like mm-hmm. it's, it, I just don't think it's going to be particularly close. And we could talk about that a little more as the playoff approaches and with our bull previews and everything. But mm-hmm. I mean, just trying to look ahead a little bit, I don't see how the spread is going to be less than double digits for this Ohio State game. Oh, I'd agree. I'd agree 100%. I mean, it, and people are going to jump at that, you know, people are going to jump at Ohio state on that. And then it's going to go down to maybe, um, you know, maybe 10, maybe under 10 suckers. Give me that. Give me yeah, all that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Let it get down. Then I'll, I'll throw, all, you know, throw it on alternate spreads. Just, bro, just take the spread right where it was getting even bigger payout. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, Bennett obviously very good. And this defense is just otherworldly. Like obviously LSU ended up putting 30 points on them, but you know, at, at a certain point you felt like it was a little garbage time potential. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and we, we second half, we did have a chance like to come back. Yeah. Um, in that third midway through the third quarter, um, whenever we didn't get that first down, uh, cause then, you know, if we score right there, if we score a touchdown right there, it's only 11 point game with a whole quarter left, you know? So yeah, definitely felt like the wheels fell off after that one a little right, bit. Right. Right. After that, everyone was just like defeated pretty much, yep. you know, um, which it, it happens and that's understandable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But good showing by LSU, despite a few of the miscues there, I think, um, obviously looking forward to seeing Georgia repeat as national champions. So that's it for the SEC. Next up, we got the ACC championship game where we had number nine at the time, number nine Clemson taking on number 23, North Carolina. Clemson winning this one by almost 30 points. Um, this was, I mean, not really any way to cut it. This was probably Drake May's worst game this season. Yeah. No touchdowns, two picks, not, not even 300 yards passing. He did have a touchdown on the ground, but just didn't, didn't look good. And I think I, 
it's hard to tell whether it's a product of him just you know being as young as he is or the very real fact that that is one of the worst o lines in the power five probably yeah just atrocious atrocious yeah. offensive lines it, it it's 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 hard to, i mean it's obviously hard to be a quarterback when you don't have an offensive line and then you know going up against a team that does have solid defensive linemen um they got seven like that front seven has multiple nfl draft picks yeah yeah um so i mean it, he did what he could i guess i mean it it's hard to say like you were saying um i, I think it is a little bit of both you know oh it more, absolutely is a bit of both yeah more so more so the lineman than it is his age because i mean we've seen what he's done all year yeah. um but yeah, and then you know, especially yeah, okay. I'll say this: it starts out with the lineman, then it goes into his age, because then he gets a little worried, you know, about how much time he has. His clock sped up. His yeah, clock yeah. He's trying to process this is sped up, and it, you know, it can lead to bad decisions there. Yeah, um, and it's just hard to be comfortable. You can't be comfortable in that position. I'll tell you this much, though, man. Next year, the Heisman race between like Penix, Drake May, and Caleb Williams, yeah, gonna be bonkers. And then like, if Nate Daniels comes back, he's going to be in there too. If Daniels comes back, he's going to be there. I mean, you've got dudes like um, I can't remember if is this Bo Nix's last year. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so he's out. <laughs> he he played really well for Oregon. No, no, like, he did. He did. He played lights out all year. He played way better than I thought he would. You know. Yeah. And you're going to have teams with some real holes at quarterback that usually don't in terms of your Georgias, in terms of your Alabamas and Ohio States. Like maybe the guys that they have come in are going to be good, but they're and there's always going to be, you know, there's always going to be some surprise transfers pop mm -hmm. up here and there. Some guys that were underlooked and then, you know, go out and ball out for a season. Yeah. So, I mean, it's good. I think Heisman race, it's definitely going to be a uh, Caleb Williams and Drake may race, which. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Super pumped to see it play out. Cause both of those yeah. dudes are elite quarterbacks, but mm -hmm. um, on the Clemson side of the ball, uh, DJU last hurrah at Clemson. Yeah. Did not go well. He's, I don't know if he's just not a fit at Clemson in terms of scheme or if he's just not good. Yeah. But I mean, something, something is not working there. And you know it. It's it's hard to gauge his talent. Yeah, even watching their games, you know, like I've watched a couple of their games this season, I couldn't tell if it was his fault or not. You know, and you know what the crazy thing is, and I brought it up before when we talked about TJU. His very first appearance in college was against oh, yeah. Notre Dame in relief for Trevor Lawrence, and he shattered the passing records against Notre <laughs> Dame. Like he, yeah, shredded. A Notre Dame that Notre Dame defense. I thought he was going to be like just based off of the one game he was in. I was like, no, this yeah, dude is everyone, gonna be a Heisman candidate for like yeah, two they, years before he's drafted. They got another one, you know, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, DJ. He, he keep yeah. getting away with it. Yeah, exactly. So, <clears throat> excuse me, but uh, yeah, I mean, he. Everyone thought that he was going to be pan out and. I, I don't know what it is. It, it might be mentally. It might. It's just hard to tell. You know, sometimes it's it's more. Sometimes it's more obvious what the issue is, whether it's the scheme or whether it's the player. In this instance, I have I don't know. no clue. Yeah, exactly. I have no idea, like if it's on him or if it's on the OC or Dabo's system or whatever. 
Yeah. So we'll talk transfer portal in a little bit, talking about the quarterback. But DJU is one of the quarterbacks in the portal right now. Going to be interested to see where he ends up. He's been he's been linked to quite a few places. I know there's a lot of smoke with him going to UCLA, which I think could be inter- pretty interesting. Um, that could that could be fun to see him air it out. And a Chip Kelly offense. I feel like that yeah. could be pretty pretty rocking. But uh, Drake May was a dude that was very heavily rumored to be entering the portal or potentially entering the portal. But mm-hmm. uh, he did just tweet tonight that he's uh, he's sticking with the Tar Heels, which is you know unfortunate. Um, you know, Phil Longo left to be the offensive coordinator at Wisconsin. Yeah. And apparently there was a lot of friction between Drake May and Phil Longo. Apparently May did not like Longo a whole lot. So um, that might have helped him stick around at Carolina, honestly. So, yeah. Um, uh, he's going to be heel next year. Going to be fun to watch him. Mm-hmm. That, him. Him and that Carolina Blue just feels right, you know. Yeah, it, it looks right, especially with that. Um, didn't they have a basketball player, uh, Luke May? That yeah, was, that's his yeah. brother. Oh, oh shit! No way. Is it he's, really? He's he's like a fourth generation generation Carolina guy. Damn. Okay. All right. His that's dad awesome. played for Carolina football, I think. His brother Luke May played for the basketball brother hit team. A, hit a game when he shot in the Final Four, like or yeah, the, yeah, or championship or something. But uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's he, awesome. He is, Hell yeah, he's, he is Mr. Carolina, like that. Yeah, I love hearing about brothers in sports. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's great. But, uh, yeah, I've, I, he's going to be fine next year. They've got to get some alignment in front of him, though. So, hopefully, they hit yeah. the portal hard for the alignment that are available. Yeah. But uh, that's about it for the ACC here. Clemson, obviously, going to be playing Tennessee in the Orange Bowl, which, you know, that makes sense. Um, we'll go a little bit more into that here shortly. But just trying to rock through the rest of these conference championships. We've got the one G5 championship that mattered. It was Tulane beating UCF 45-28. to Tulane getting a spot in the Cotton Bowl. It's going to be fun to see them play USC. Don't think it's going to be particularly close, but you know it's going to be. It's nice to see. It's always fun to see the G five teams because you never know what they're able to do. Sometimes they they pull it off. Right, right. Um, yeah, they, like this si- was- two years ago, Cincinnati damn near did it against Georgia. Yeah, that was fucking nuts. I, I would I would have loved to see that, but. Um... I'm 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 rooting for Tulane, man. I it I, I watch I watched a little bit of this and uh it was a fun game to watch. Uh, you know, there's a lot of bullshit going around, you know, just busted plays here and there. Yeah. Uh <laughs> G five game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Classic. Um but yeah, it was nice to see uh Tulane um get revenge on UCF. Uh I was actually in New Orleans this weekend, so we were actually talking about going, but it was at the same time as uh LSU, so we we decided not to um i actually in hindsight i would have rather but uh (laughs) yeah um it was it Tulane has a really fun stadium too uh they play all the louisiana state soccer championships there so oh cool um, yeah yeah so i I watched a couple games over there but um yeah uh hell yeah ride that green wave baby yeah I'm, i'm rooting for the green wave that's for sure um but yeah, I mean, not a whole lot else about this game. UCF, obviously, you know, forty-five twenty-eight, pretty high-scoring game. So obviously, you know, there were a few busted plays and some less than stellar defensive play there. But yeah, uh, Tulane going to be interesting. Spencer Pratt, one of the quarterbacks rumored to be going into the portal. It's uh, he hasn't yet as of today, but uh, uh, definitely on portal watch. I have heard that. Obviously, the head coach coming back is a huge reason why he might yeah. stay. Yeah, that's been that's kind of been the big question mark from what I've gathered. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to watch. Keep an eye on there. But uh, next up 
finishing it out, we've got the Big Ten and number two Michigan putting it on Purdue, forty-three to twenty-two. And I'll say this: I don't like either of these teams. I hate Purdue. I hate Michigan. I hate Purdue less, so I rooted for Purdue. Purdue had a chance to keep this a competitive game. Yeah, and they they only scored one touchdown and five field goals. Those are their scoring plays. Mm-hmm. They just had a couple of really cowardly decisions where they could have kept drives going or they could have gone for points and yeah. elected to take the safe route instead. When you're a team like Purdue, when you were coming in as big underdogs as you are, you've got to take those chances. Like, yeah, yeah, you're playing. You're basically playing with house money at that point, especially if you win the Big Ten West and you're not Iowa. Like, you were just playing with house money. You just need to let it loose and just break out the trick play shit. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it looked promising at first, you know, for the yeah. first half. They, it was a close game. It um, was. But yeah, so uh, I, I will say I don't. I'm not a fan of Michigan. I'm not a fan of Ohio State. Uh, I do kind of like Purdue, mainly because of Drew Brees, and also they are a top five killer. So I love that out of them. They had a chance to be spoiler makers again. We were yeah. all hoping for it, but um, yeah, they. I can't remember if it was a punt that they took or a field goal that they took when they were in four, what was considered like four down territory. And okay, like they. It was one of those where I'm just watching, like, you have got to just go for this at this yeah, point. Yeah, like, you're you like, have kinda... a chance to take the lead or put it within, like, a field goal score. Like, just take the chance. And then, of course, like, the opening drive of the second half, Michigan just <clears throat> busts off a huge run down the field. And yeah. that's pretty much puts it out of reach. Yeah, that's, like, inevitable, too. You know that's coming. So, like, you you got to prepare for it by going for it at least. Like, you know, I'm sure all the players would have agreed to go for it on most multiple times um i didn't get a chance to watch this game that much so um i i didn't see purdue do much but it you you got you're you're in a position that you should not be in you know play playing in this game and so you gotta do all you can to like just fuck with them just give michigan hell like it's like whoever wins the NFC South this year. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You don't really deserve to be there. Exactly. So you need to make it fun, you know? Right, right. But, I mean, on the other, like, yeah, Purdue, especially when you have a defense who is just drastically outmatched by the talent Michigan has on offense, like, you've got to just be able to take some chances on when you're on offense and when you have the ball. Like, you just, you, you have to. Yeah. Especially with a quarterback like Aiden O'Connell. Like, you have the better quarterback in this matchup. Right, right, and it, yeah, I mean, I don't know, dude. You gotta go if it's for if it's take your chances. Yeah, like you, <clears throat> you're you're not supposed to be there. So just fucking air it out. Like I don't care, you know. Like the players, yeah. I'm sure wanted to go all out for it. So just like no one gives you a shot. When no one gives you a shot, you have to go take that shot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Make you, your chances. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, and I mean, like on the other side of the ball, obviously Michigan did exactly what we would expect Michigan to do. Donovan Edwards ran twenty-five carries for one hundred eighty-five yards and a touchdown. JJ yeah. McCarthy, pretty efficient game, eleven completions for one hundred sixty-one yards and three touchdowns with one pick. Like that's exactly what we would have expected from this game. Right, right, and so if. If you're Purdue, then you can definitely, like, you know, like I said earlier, you know that's coming, so you have to get ahead of it. Like, you have to be the one that gets up there first so that they can, you know, they're going to catch up no matter what. It's going to, it's just a game of attrition with them, you know. Exactly. But 
you know, expect expected result. I think as much as I don't think anybody really wanted Michigan to win this game, except for Michigan fans. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it, you know, this one it, it it was fun for the first half, like you said, but the second half just turned it into an absolute snoozer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So looking ahead at the New Year's Six and the playoffs. So starting with the New Year's Six, here we got number sixteen Tulane against number ten USC in the Cotton Bowl. We'll we'll go more into you know looking at these teams head up once we get closer to these games here, but gut check right now says USC. Yeah, I mean gut check. You're giving, says Caleb, you're giving Caleb Williams a few weeks to heal up, like yeah, and it and it's like Tulane's defense is not necessarily going to stop Jordan Addison and no. all the dudes that they have on offense there. No, they'll be able to do some exciting stuff on offense. Maybe maybe USC's defense might be that bad. That's an overwatch. That's that's <laughs> yeah. a, definitely an overwatch for me. Uh, next up, we've got number seven, Clemson. He is number six, Tennessee in the Orange Bowl. It couldn't have happened any other way. <laughs> like, it's the Orange Bowl, and you've got the two orange teams. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Syracuse would have been the only one that made more sense for this one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I th- this is going to be a fun matchup of defense versus offense. Tennessee's offense is going to be tested here, especially without Hendon Hooker. Um, Gonna be this one is gonna be interesting to kind of dive into once we get closer to bowl season to really see what we think of this one. But yeah, I like I, Clemson in this one off the you know gut check. I, I like the the matchup of backup quarterbacks, um, especially backup quarterbacks that are both showing promise. Um, yeah, I, think I mean, Milton Kate for Clemson, like and Joe yeah. Milton, yeah, dude throws a hundred mile an hour check down. <laughs> like, he, <laughs> touch yeah, is not something that existed. This man. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's fun. He's a gunslinger. Uh, but yeah, I, I personally, I think I'm going Tennessee. Um, I, I think our, their defense is just too much for Clemson to handle. Um, not necessarily. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Their offense. I did not. I, I did not mean that, to go down that road. That might be the hottest take we've had on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Their offense. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I think they have too many playmakers around the like you know on the outside. Their receivers yeah. are receiving core is so good. Um, so it it'll be a fun game, I think. I think I it'll think be so a good too. one. Yeah. Um, as far as like you know, all the New Year's Six, I'm looking at it. This looks like with the one with the most promise. Yeah, I would say so too. Um, the next one up is Kansas State and Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, which. Again, this is just a talent thing at this point. Like, yeah. obviously, Kansas State has Deuce Vaughn. He's an, a dynamic play na- playmaker at the college level. But Alabama, like, you've got multiple dudes who are going to be drafted in the NFL. Like, it's yeah, yeah. It, Bama, especially with them being pissed off for a much deserved playoff exit. Yeah. Um, maybe they get an unmotivated Alabama, but I do not see It's that. possible. Yeah. It, it Saban's possible. not really that dude, though. No, no. Um, it has happened to them. It has happened to them before, I think, when they missed the playoff and lost the bowl game. But uh, yeah, and, and oh wait, yeah, it did that happen against? Uh, shit, actually, never mind. Okay, I can't. Remember. I know what happened to Georgia. Yeah, I know um, it happened to Georgia against Texas, but uh, that was great. That was yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess I don't really. I hate Texas, but uh, uh, I know. So for me, that whole thing was obviously Notre Dame made it into the playoff over Georgia, and right. Notre Dame lost to Clemson. Oh, uh, so everyone's like Georgia oh, players. Georgia, yeah, yeah. Georgia yeah. where Georgia players were like popping, like Holyfield was popping off on Twitter about it. So like they were talking all kinds of shit. 
Yeah. And then to see that <laughs> game happen, like that was just a nice bit of shot and forth for okay, me. Okay, yeah. I mean that's that's fair then. Uh, I usually don't have a problem with Georgia either. Like I like Georgia. Like yeah. as an as a, as a non SEC guy or anything. Yeah. Like Georgia, I've never had an issue with Georgia. That year though, I was I was hook them all all the way on that one. Yeah. No, that that's fair. That's definitely fair. Um but yeah, uh I, I'm I'm looking forward to see what Alabama's gonna do. <laughs> I mean Hopefully they show up. I want I want I want to see a reason for us to be worried about Alabama next year. I don't want like I don't want it to be like, oh man, they look really rough to end the season. You know what I yeah. mean? Because this is yeah. you're gonna get so many shitty hot takes about Alabama if that happens. And frankly, just don't have the energy to hear them all. <laughs> yeah, I mean on the other the flip side of that though is they just roll, and I mean roll Kansas State. They're gonna be everyone's gonna be like, well, I guess they should have been in the playoff. You know, that's true. It's it, it's a tough line to walk, but you know what? You gotta win your games. Like, exactly. That's the whole thing. Exactly. Took so, that L. Yep. Uh, and then the last New Year's Six game, non-playoff New Year's Six, we've got Utah and Penn State in the Rose Bowl. I'm excited by this one. This one and Clemson Tennessee are the two that I'm the most excited to watch. Yeah. This one's gonna be fun. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to see if Utah can keep that offense going. Um, running Penn State's a, big, a really good defense. Yeah, running into a good defensive pet, uh, Big Ten team um, versus a, a high prolific Pac-12 team. It's always who also has a good defense. Like that's yeah, the thing yeah, too, exactly. Yeah, Sean Penn Clifford. State, Penn State has a good offense. Like they're decent. They're okay. Yeah. It, yeah. It's. I'm going to be curious to see. I expect Sean Clifford to obviously get the start for Penn State this game, but I am curious to see if Drew Allar gets some meaningful reps in this one. Uh, obviously, yeah. Rose Bowl appearance, any any bowl game, your objective is to win the game. But, you know, at a certain point, you do need to get some young guys in there and see, how, see what they're made of. But um, just looking at these four, are there any surprises for you? I mean, Tulane is one. Yeah. Um, I, I – I know they had a good year last year. I did not expect them to rebound. I didn't know their quarterback was coming back, so I, I didn't know much about them uh, yeah. going in this I'll, season. For me, I'll say Kansas State. Yeah, yeah, that, that's definitely a good one. Um, Looking you know, at, like, if we go back to our preseason predictions like, and everything Texas, like that, like I, Baylor, yeah. TCU, maybe Oklahoma wait, no, State. Yeah, we didn't even pick TCU. Yeah, Oklahoma State. Yeah. Like, yeah, Baylor, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, that pack, that Big 12 this year was a gauntlet for yeah. – I didn't know who was going to win, you know. Most of the That's time. why I couldn't. I couldn't believe people that were disrespecting TCU's schedule. Like, yeah, this was oh, this was this was a case of like bit, the Big Twelve did this year what the Pac twelve usually does, where it just cannibalizes itself. Like, there were a lot of really good teams that were just beating each other, and yeah. you know, obviously, it made the wins and losses look less good because the teams weren't ranked as high. But like, these were really good. These were good football teams that were playing each other this year. This is this was not the Big Twelve that we are used to. Yeah, I lost your audio there, Gray. Yep. There you are. I'm a little bit. All right. So, uh, yeah, you could definitely make the argument that Kansas State and TCU both had way better wins than Alabama did all season. Oh, Alabama, by a mile. Alabama's best win came from a four-loss Ole Miss. So. Yeah. Like, and, and it's crazy because I do think Alabama is a better team than both of them. Right, right. But, you know, but it, if you look at the resumes, like. It's more so down on the, how the SEC. The It was so top-heavy this year. It was. But even that, like, they had good teams in the SEC, too. It's just the ones that Alabama happened to play this year were not the good ones. Yeah. yeah. And they lost the ones that they did play against. Yeah. So, 
just makes it a tough look. But, uh, yeah, so the playoff, we've got number one Georgia playing number four Ohio State in the Peach Bowl, and then number two Michigan playing number three TCU in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, do you think the committee did it right? Got it right on this one. I think they did. I agree. Um, it, it, there was an argument to be made for Alabama, but then you go back to their best win and realize there is not much of an argument. Um, and the fact that they just they have two losses. They exactly. Have a, yeah. They have one fewer wins. They have yeah. one less win than TCU did and right. Ohio State. Yeah, and it, Alabama didn't play the week TCU did, so they didn't even get a chance to lose. You know what I mean? Like, Exactly. So, so that's why I would have been mad if Ohio State would have jumped TCU. Like I, yeah, I wanted yeah. TCU to stay at three. Like Ohio State got embarrassed at home, and then TCU lost in the conference championship in overtime. Like that's two different tiers of losses there. It so, would if I. It would have been fun to see a rematch in the semifinal, but as a Michigan fan, I would have been furious. <laughs> Rightfully so, you know. Uh, so it, I think they got it. I think they got it as right as they could. This year. I agree. And so, looking at these matchups, do you think TCU or Ohio State can win this? Those that semifinal. If one of them could, I would say it was TCU. Same, same. It's just uh, the image we all have of Georgia right now is too mighty for a Ohio State team that got embarrassed at home to Michigan and and the Peach Bowl like that. Yeah, it's basically, it's basically, <laughs> basically a fucking home game for them. Which they're the number one team in the country. They deserve that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, Fiesta Bowl is going to be more of a home game for TCU than it is going to be for Michigan. So, like, Michigan kind of gets screwed there. But yeah. like, I'd say you, TC, I'd still say TCU has a better shot than if Georgia played in Ohio State Stadium. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, shit. We saw, like we said earlier, we saw Michigan do that. And yeah, they yeah. Didn't exactly. have a single issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like TCU, I think has the better shot between the two lower seeds in that one to win. Ohio State obviously has more talent, but I think they're just they're not they're not built to beat these teams. And there was a lot of talk going into the season about whether or not Ohio State was going to be tough enough to win these games because that was the big narrative in the off season, especially after losing to Michigan, that they just weren't tough. Yeah, and you had a couple games early in the season. Notre Dame, they had a tough win, like that was a gritty win that they eked out there. But then, over the course of the season, you saw them just kind of get back into their same old bullshit. Yeah, especially that Maryland Maryland game. Yeah, that, that they was, just didn't look tough. Yeah, um, and uh, Michigan I'm, proved it. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really pulling for TCU here. I would love yeah. to see them in the championship, even if it's a blowout to Georgia. I would love to see it. Just. TCU playing in the national championship. That would just be, That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah, I would love it. Yeah, I'm definitely rooting rooting on the frogs there for sure. Um, the rest of the bowl games, I think there are still that I still have a couple that still need to be settled. So we're gonna uh-huh. wait and get that figured out here. Coming. Do you want Do you want to talk about ours? Yeah, sure. We can talk about ours a little bit. Um, we'll start with. I guess we'll start with ours. Um, Notre Dame is playing South Carolina in the Gator Bowl. And uh, looking forward to that one. It's going to be interesting because for Notre Dame, it sounds like Tyler Buckner is going to be back for the game. Uh, not That's sure if he's going to be starting. Yeah. It might be Steve Angeli, who is a true freshman starting for Notre Dame mm-hmm. because Drew Pine, Drew Pine has entered the portal. Um, so that's going to be different. So what are your thoughts on that real quick? On Pine entering the portal? Yeah. I think it makes sense. Um, you know, from all the accounts, 
he was told by the staff that they are looking to bring in a transfer quarterback, but he is welcome to compete for the spot in the spring. Okay. And he he or his camp didn't like that, so he's transferring. It it all makes sense. Yeah. Do I wish he would have waited until after the bowl game? Yeah. But um, you know, it with the way the transfer portal works, especially when the portal is officially open like this, you gotta get yeah. out there and get your spot. Like yeah. Yeah, I, I completely understand where he's coming from. Do I like it? Not necessarily, but that's just speaking as a Notre Dame fan. Like, mm-hmm. I would have at least liked Pine to be there to be consistently. So, like, I want to see Buckner in there because I want to see I Buckner has a higher ceiling than Pine by quite a fair margin. But like, I wanted Pine to be there as like the stability aspect, you know? Right, right. You know, so it, yeah. Yeah, portal's going to be hot and heavy these next couple weeks. Notre Dame is projected to have potentially like up to 12 to 14 guys enter the portal. Um, Mostly, I I think mostly just guys that aren't getting a ton of time. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But Pine, I think him transferring this early was a shock. And like all the Notre Dame beat guys have kind of said as much. Like the staff was surprised that this happened. So, um, but you know, they're playing the South Carolina team that rattled off some really good wins to end their season. So, yeah, gonna be. I think this is gonna be a really fun one, honestly. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's a good matchup for South Carolina. Like, it, it's you know, if they win this one, that that's a that's a fucking best three wins they've had all like in their like you know in their yeah history pretty much. Um, be a so great it, series of wins. This would be Clemson, Tennessee, and Notre Dame all in. Yeah, that's game span. That's yeah, run. But, yeah. So I mean, it, hats off to them. They finished. Very fucking strong. I mean, uh, shout out Cox. Shout out, uh, shout out Cox. Always, yeah, always. Uh, but yeah, it, it, I think that that'll be a fun game. It, it's hard to judge. It's hard for me as an outside fan to judge who's going to win that game. Yeah, and even for me as a fan, because Michael Mayer just announced today that he's opting out. Mm-hmm. He is a lot of what Notre Dame does on offense. Yeah. Uh, so it's that's going to be a struggle. But Drew Pine, you know, Drew Pine, one of his things was that he stared down Michael Mayer. So maybe by having a different quarterback in there, maybe he's able to spread around you know, a little bit, spread yeah. it around a little bit, and we'll see a different offense. Um, mm-hmm. I am still just worried about South Carolina in the trenches. Like that's just going to be tough. And they had a couple of their tight ends transfer out too. And those tight ends were pretty instrumental to what South Carolina did on offense. So, yeah. um, Gonna be curious to see how this one turns out. My Notre Dame opened at like three and a half point favorites or four point favorites. So Vegas seems to think the Irish are gonna win this one, but I'm not so certain. I think it's just it depends on who transfers out and what the roster looks like at this point. It's it's a little too early for me to tell. Yeah. That's fair. So yeah, so your guys' is bowl. So yeah. LSU how, Purdue. If it was anything like Purdue's last bowl game against Tennessee, it's going to be a fun as hell game to watch. Yeah, that was a fun game. I forgot about that. Was that was the one. best bowl game of the year last oh, year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, I remember Oh, I remember watching that and just like screaming at my TV like for both sides. I was like as a neutral, forward. you're just you're yeah. just loving every bit of that. Yeah, so I mean, uh this game um uh I wouldn't say I'm anxious about it. I think I think we're solid in a good position you know they just lost their head coach um but th- that could go either way you know the players could rally around the interim uh i don't know who it is have they announced who it is i don't think so i haven't okay. seen anybody announce as an interim um and i don't know anything about who they're going to be looking for to fill the job full-time yet either 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, I know, uh, what's his name? Jack Besh just entered his name in the portal. Um, we're about to have a couple of linemen enter their names. Uh, some guys that didn't get much playing time, but, um, yeah, uh, uh, hopefully Jaden Daniels is going to play. Um, I don't know what, what's up with that. I don't know if he has um, an injury from the game. I don't know what his injury is looking like from the championship game. But, uh, yeah, I'm cool with I would like to see – it would be cool to see uh, Nuss play in that. Um, and then Jane Daniels could still decide afterwards whether or not he wants to come back, you know. And then Nuss Meyer could still transfer after that. So, um, it, it'll be it'll be a fun game. Uh, I'll, I'm somebody ends up, somebody's and I are talking about going maybe, but um, I don't know fun. about that. Yeah, yeah, or, or little Orlando trip. Um, yeah. Last time we played in Orlando, we played uh Penn State, and it was on that field that was so torn up. We played Penn State, and like. It, there was it was like raining it's so like the whole field was muddy and they had played like two games on it before and didn't replace like replace the field so yeah. you couldn't see like you couldn't practice any grass and you know we're the faster team in that game and it was like joe paterno's last game so they ended up winning uh <laughs> but yeah i think that's the last time we played in orlando but um yeah I, i'm excited that i'm excited that we're here i was expecting a lesser bowl but i'm glad we're I'm glad with the bowl that we ended up the season with, you know, um, let's say we beat 10 A&M. We probably would be in the, uh, shit. We would probably be in New York six. Huh? Yeah. Probably take Alabama spot in the sugar bowl. I'd we, imagine so. Yeah. So that could have been fun too. That. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that would have been LSU and Tulane in new Orleans. Like that would have been fucking nuts. Oh, Oh, what's it called? Uh, yeah. We would have played Kansas state again. We played yeah, last no, year. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't too late. It was Kansas yeah, State, yeah. wasn't it? We would have played that. We would play them again, back to back years in the bowl. In the, that would have been crazy uh, too. The bowl though. game, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I, I, I think it's gonna be fun. I'm excited for the off season. I'm excited for the game, obviously. But um, yeah, it, national signing day in two weeks. Early, early signing day. But this right, is now but national that, signing day. Yeah, yeah. There's so many more players that sign now than they do. That that way they can get in the system way earlier. A lot of early enrollees now, which is yeah. good. I think. Like, it, no, it, I think that's great. Yeah, you get ahead of spring practice and everything. Like, that's awesome. Um, you get guys that are a little more ready to step in once the fall comes around. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we got. We got a couple of weeks yet before bowls really kick off. So like we got plenty of time to talk about them and everything. I'm excited to go through all of these and get these figured out. But, you know, I think we got quite a few fun matchups to look forward to. And I can't wait to talk them all with everybody. Absolutely. So let's move on here from games themselves. And let's just talk a little bit about the coaching carousel here. There's been there's been a decent amount of movement this year um, mm-hmm. in terms of more recent news we've got first off jed fish extended to arizona through 2027 excellent decision by arizona to do that he yeah. had he had arizona playing way above their talent level and he's doing a good job on a recruiting trail so mm-hmm. slam dunk higher at this point yeah um, i'd agree yeah uh, next up, UNLV hires Arkansas defensive coordinator and former mizzou, former mizzou head coach barry odom who was 500 in his time at mizzou uh, I mean, UNLV just not a good program, really. So, 
maybe bringing in a guy who had some SEC experience is going to give them a little more juice on their recruiting trail and make them a little more competitive at the G5 level, but still just a very, very tough climb for, for UNLV there. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, from what I remember of Barry Odom, he, he didn't recruit horribly. Like, you know, he had some good players go through Missouri, Missouri during his time, so maybe they can get a little juice going in there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. Tulsa hiring Ohio State offensive coordinator Kevin Wilson, who was at Indiana before Ohio State. He was 26-47 and 47 at Indiana yeah. and then spent, has spent six years at Ohio State. So, I mean, his Indiana body of work, kind of throw that to the wayside when he's been at Ohio State that long. St- another tough hill battle, another uphill battle to fight there at Tulsa. The smallest student body in the FBS. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. You know, he, I don't know. Maybe he can win there a little bit more than he won at Indiana, but I don't really see that. Well, and the, the thing is that you're in a school with a blue blood, blood program. You're in a state with a blue blood program. Like mm-hmm. Oklahoma, like they're going to – people are going to give their money to Oklahoma. They're not going to necessarily give it to Tulsa. So. Exactly. Just makes it a really tough job there. Uh-huh. Um, it seems, next, even, even though it's a head coaching job, it seems like a little step down, honestly. Yeah, I would I would agree with that, but the dude wants to be a head coach. So maybe yeah, this is a step. That's fair. Yep. Uh, so we go from the smallest student body in the FBS to the largest student body in the FBS with Liberty University hiring Jamie Chadwell away from Coastal Carolina, a seven year contract with an average value of four million per year. I'm gonna be honest. I thought Chadwell was gonna go higher. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shit. Like I, I did not know. Coast Carolina had a football team before they were on the map. Yeah, like he um, he he put the Chanticleers on the map. Like he he yeah. was that program. And is this one of the like Liberty? Yeah, it's not like Liberty was on the map before Hugh Freeze was there. You know, like yeah, and like they had a couple guys go through Liberty. Like Malik Willis is obviously with the Titans now, so they had some right. first some NFL talent and everything like that. But like a guy with as proven a record as Chadwell had at Coastal, you thought he was going to maybe get like a lower power five offer. Right. Or at least fewer years. Yeah. I mean, seven. Like, seven years is a lot at Liberty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, shit. Like, I, I was thinking he would get something, you know, like a shit, like a Big 12 job, maybe, or ACC job. Yeah. Uh, like an Iowa State or something like that, which yeah, you know, obviously yeah. that job's not open, so it's hard to get that kind of job, but something on that tier. Right, right. Um, you know, just, or like Georgia Tech. Like Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, and ACC is already around that area, so it made sense for that to be the next move for him. Um, this just and, doesn't seem like an upward move. No, it, it really doesn't. Like, it, it's. Ex- I think it's exactly sideways, lateral. Uh, yeah. Like, it, I can't – no program – neither one of those programs is one ahead of the other, in my opinion. I would say, like, in the current space of college football, Liberty probably has a higher profile, but not by much. Like, Yeah. I it, mean, what it, – didn't Coastal Carolina go undefeated last year? Yeah, and okay, I yeah. feel like they only lost, like, one or two games this year. Like, they, Yeah, yeah. It's not like he's coming – he's moving from a shitty program to, you know, a good G5 – like, Liberty's a good G5 program, but it's not like it's some huge jump in prestige for him. Yeah, exactly. And you know, even with the shit, even with the twelve team playoff, they go undefeated. They're in. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, tough to tell. I mean, obviously yeah, the ratings. It, it, it does depends depend, on who beat. Right, and it does depend on who else is up there. Yeah. 
unfortunately it's hard to look at these things in a vacuum like yeah in theory you should be undefeated but there if there are six other conference champs who are also undefeated then probably not yeah 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 so moving on so <laughs> coastal carolina filling their spot by hiring north carolina state oc tim beck it'll be his first head coaching job so that makes sense um yeah. you know that's Coastal Carolina is now a job that coaches probably want to go to, especially if they're looking for their first gig. Uh, he Before he was at NC State, he was at Texas, where his offenses weren't great. They were in the bottom half of the Big 12 every year that he was there. So, uh, and Yeah, it, and they, North Carolina State kind of underperformed considering what everyone thought they would this year. I, yeah, they did. And I think part of that was just because, like, Devin Leary played hurt up until he couldn't anymore. So, yeah. like, there, there are a couple things that – couple factors in there but yeah i mean he he has a body of work at nc state that would warrant a job like coastal carolina i would say yeah i'd agree so sticking with the g5 south florida hiring tennessee offensive coordinator alex golish that's a pretty fun one yeah um he got his start with josh heupel at ucf in 2020 so he has been able to kind of build his resume along with Heupel, especially this year at Tennessee. Obviously, Tennessee, just incredible offense to watch. So yeah. not surprising at all that he was getting the looks for a job like this. And that you know, system South- there that system they were running was very similar to LSU's 2019 system. Yeah, it, it was. And you know, it's it's an offense that can obviously work very, very well at the college level. So seeing a program like USF hire a guy like this, like obviously he's got SEC recruiting experience. He's got development experience. He was with Matt Campbell at Iowa State from 2016 to 2019. So you can tell that he is good at developing players as well. I think it's this is a very good hire for South Florida. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so far this is the best hire we've seen. So far, yeah. Uh, Next up. We've got Cincinnati hiring Louisville head coach Scott Satterfield, who went 25 and 24 in four seasons at Louisville. I am going to be honest, in a vacuum, this seems like a downgrade in job. I, I think I'd agree, but given where each team is, you know, these past couple of years, and that that's mostly because of Luke Fickle. Yeah. Cincinnati looks so good. But, you know, it, I can't. And they imagine. are about to join the Big 12. Like, to their credit, right. they're about to be a Power 5 school. Right. But at the same time, you have to be a damn good recruiter to get some of those guys away from Ohio State. Yeah. So, I mean. Or just it, a really damn good talent evaluator to find those diamonds in the rough that Ohio State might miss. That's true. Um, You know, and uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, it. His record is a little sus from Louisville. Um, yeah, 25 and 24 in four seasons. I'll be honest, though. Like, I thought he was safe. Like, it's, And he was safe. Like, I don't think he was in danger of being fired this year. But right. he coached himself into being safe in terms of, like, not getting axed this year. Like, yeah. Louisville had a pretty damn good season. for. No, Louisville. yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And, you know, uh, I mean, he did what he could, like – yeah, so his record was must not have been that great before the season. I mean, damn. Uh, no. So, I, I mean, don't his know. First season was probably the year after Lamar left. So, yeah, yeah, that is big hole, big hole there on the roster. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. I was looking at his years and whenever if that lined up with Lamar, but it didn't. Um, but yeah, so I, I think it's I, I'd agree with you. It's a little downgrade. Yeah, and apparently there was this very just really tough relationship between Satterfield and the Louisville administration. So it sounds like both sides just kind of wanted to get out of it. Yeah. So you know, if maybe that's the best job that he was he applied for and that he was considered for, then you know it makes sense from that aspect. It's just right in a vacuum when you're talking about the prestige of the job and the pay of the job and everything like that. Like you got to think that this is a bit of a downgrade, but it is. You know, also, some people just need a fresh start. Yeah. Also, I mean, I also say it's a downgrade of conferences. You know, like it's going to be much harder to win in the Big Twelve than it is in the ACC. Is that a downgrade of conference, though, or is that an upgrade in terms of the quality of the conference? It's an upgrade in terms of quality, but it's a, a, a downgrade in terms of your chances your at path, winning. Yeah. yeah, like you, yeah, your path, exactly. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be curious to see what he does in the Big 12 once he gets there. Um, yeah. <clears throat> obviously, Louisville filled their need pretty quickly, which with the hire that we all thought was going to happen if Satterfield got fired in the first place. So they did hire Jeff Brom away from Purdue like within 24 hours, basically, of this happening. Yeah. You know, Jeff Brom, obviously a very storied Louisville history there, played quarterback for them in the uh, in the early 90s and everything like that. So he, he's, he's a Louisville guy through and through. And I they did hire him away from Purdue, and they, they paid him pretty well. Like, they, they got him a pretty decent paycheck there. So yeah. you thought, this was the one you thought was going to happen. Right, and it, you're you're glad it happens because you know he's going to put the care into the program. Yeah, yeah, he he absolutely he's going to care about it. Like he played there, played there in the '90s and all that stuff. So like he he is a Louisville guy through and through. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what he can do recruiting wise because he did upgrade Purdue's recruiting profile by quite a bit. I think they. I remember a couple months ago listening to Andy Staples talk about this. They are the biggest jump in a five-year period, I think, in average recruiting ranking in the Power Five. Interesting. That's cool. Purdue that. Purdue was under Brom. So yeah. if he can I'm, do that with Louisville, with the brand they have, like I, th- I think he could do some good things there. And I'm sure he's going to bring some guys over with him. I don't know which guys, honestly. Yeah, but yeah that's true. That's true. <laughs> it's... Like Purdue, like they they did upgrade their recruiting profile, but still not too great over there. Yeah, okay, okay, that's fair. like I don't know if Aiden O'Connell has any more eligibility or anything like that. That might be one guy to look out for if he does. But yeah, um, yeah, it's just not a great roster, and it's mostly a basketball school, kind of like IU. Like you're not gonna, yeah. never gonna have elite talent there. I don't think. Yeah. Besides, so. you know, diamonds in the rough like Lamar. Diamonds in the rough like Lamar and well and like at Purdue and everything like that. Like you had guys like Harloftis this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh Rondale Moore. You know, pl- players like that, you're gonna get those, but it's gonna be really tough to find those guys. Okay, yeah. You were talking about Purdue. Sorry. Yeah, I'm you not- get you got a better chance at Louisville. I will say that. Yeah, so it, absolutely. It, it, yeah. You know, it's not like you're jumping into the upper echelon of college football or anything like that either. Right. So and what's good for Louisville is that this is not prob- this is probably just not a stepping stone for him. You know, if he succeeds, he's going to want to stay there. Yeah, I, I would imagine so as well. I mean, like he's, I want to say he's in like his mid fifties or something like that. So he's he's younger for a head coach, which is kind of crazy yeah. to think about. But yeah, you know, like he he is probably going to end up being a Louisville lifer, assuming things go well. Yeah, yeah. 
So next up, we've got Tom Herman hired at FAU, replacing Willie Taggart. Uh, I think this is a good hire. I, I will contend I never really thought he got a fair shake in Texas. Yeah, um, I, I will agree he didn't get enough time, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad we missed on the Herman sweepstakes, LSU. <laughs> uh, so, I, I'm okay with it. You know, like, I, I think it's a good hire for both for both parties. Um, he needs to get yeah. his name back out there. He needs to because I, I haven't heard from him since he was at Texas. Um, I didn't know where he went after. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's solid for both. You know, FAU is a little uh, – they can be good here and there. There's – you know, they're in Florida, so they have good recruits, um, even though they're lesser recruits than the, the top job, the top schools in Florida. There's still so many athletes in Florida that you can find very good diamonds in the rough. Yeah, there are. Well, and the crazy thing is that USF, obviously, like, they're fifth out of the five major programs or six out of the six major. Wait. You got Miami, Florida State, Florida, UCF, USF. Am I missing one? I feel like that's it for, like, major programs. Florida State? Yeah, Florida State, Miami, Florida, UCF, USF. Yeah. Okay. So, like, they're, they're fifth on that pecking order right now. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, there's just so much talent in Florida that there's enough to go around. Oh, there's a ton. Yeah. It, it is interesting because, you know, with the Cincinnati job being open, Herman obviously has Texas roots, or not roots, but he has connections in Texas, Ohio mm-hmm. connections. Like, you, you'd think that from a recruiting perspective, he would be a good fit for the Cincinnati job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd agree with that. So, it's I, I do think it's a good hire because, again, don't think you got a fair shake kick Texas by any means because of all the stuff that happens there with their boosters. But mm-hmm. you got to think that this is not going to be like a Brom situation. Like this is not his final destination. No, no, no. Yeah. This is a stepping stone for him for sure. And it, I don't imagine it would be hard for him to get recruits out of Florida or even Texas. You know, it's not hard to convince a kid to go, Hey, let's go come play in Florida. Like, yeah. <laughs> South Florida, not that hard to. Recruit there, <laughs> yeah. Imagine. Yeah. Yeah, so the last hire, and arguably the biggest hire of the offseason so far, I would say, Dion has a Power 5 job finally. He's going to he's going to Boulder. He's going to be the head coach of the Buffs there. I like it. I like the hire. I love the hire. I, am, I will say this. I'm so happy Auburn did not jump the gun and hire him uh, because I, I – The Duke can recruit. He doesn't even need to. Kids want He's to got his own brand, yeah. Yeah, like kids, this is the first, this is arguably the first head coach that, like, has to do the least amount of recruiting. Like, yeah, his players just want to, like, players are putting their names in the portal to go play for him. I mean, it's like, it's, it's like Louisiana kids with LSU. Like, yeah. they grew yeah. up wanting to play for LSU. You got kids that want to play for Dion. They, you got kids that wanted to be Dion, so like, yeah, exactly, so, yeah. So I mean, you, and like, he's an NFL Hall of Famer too. So like, what? There's no other person that can give you better advice. NFL Hall how, of Famer, big NFL personality in terms of yeah. like the media and everything like that. He's built a brand for himself at Jackson State, especially working with companies like Barstool and everything like that. Like, yeah, the dude is probably the biggest solo brand in college football. Yeah, he, he's. I mean. 
I don't see him taking an SEC or NFL job because you know obviously he's I don't I don't no matter how good he does at the college level, no one really thinks he has the schemes for an NFL job. It's more so making recruiting. the jump from college to the NFL is tough, like in the first yeah. place. And I do think Dion probably thrives recruiting. Right, right, life. yeah. I mean, yeah, like he needs he needs his exposure to get the players to come to him. He can't do that in the NFL. Um, exactly. So I know this for a fact that he is coming to he's he's coming for the playoff. Like he is coming for a better job after Colorado. There might be a there might be a jump between Colorado and the SEC. Honestly. I think he could. I think he's going to eventually find his way to the SEC. Would it be the SEC or would it be Florida State if that job ends up opening up? Because I feel like that would be the Ooh. homecoming. That would be that would be the prodigal son returning. Like that would you couldn't yeah. write that story. No, right? yeah, that, yeah, because I, I I'd agree there. Actually, I, that's that's a whole other level. I didn't even think about because. I was thinking, you know, he wants to go for the top job, which would be an SEC school. Yeah. But even an SEC school would be a stepping stone to him for Florida State. Yeah, well, and obviously Florida State not open right now, or else I think he probably would have already been hired. Like, Norvell right. is doing a very good job there. But there's always the chance that Norvell gets a bump up in prestige job. Like, he could end up finding one of those destination gigs. Yeah. Florida State just – it really isn't right now, even though it historically has been. And so that could be the path for Dion. But – I gotta say, Colorado—they've had success in the past. They have, and they're—they're not—they're not in a bad conference. I mean, say what you will about the Pac-12, but uh, are they still? Yeah, they're still in the Pac-12, right? Yeah, they—they're they're not. Okay, yeah, they're—they're going to stay in the Pac-12, also, right? As of right now. Okay, all right, yeah, that's that's a good point. But so, uh, I mean, that, he's got a damn good path, especially once USC and UCLA leave. Mm-hmm. I mean, damn, he's gonna like he's gonna be trying to go for undefeated seasons each year. Yeah, and he's gonna have the players that'll be able to do it. I mean, he's gonna have players leaving Alabama to go play for him. And he's already got like Shadur Sanders, his son, which obviously that's a little bit of a different story because obviously right. it's his kid. He was right. a four star recruit though. He had offers. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I mean, he's he would a start, good recruit. He would start for a few SEC schools for sure. Absolutely. So he's already come. Did you hear his press conference though, where he said? uh, his other son, the safety, he said he's in my doghouse, so he's not coming right now. <laughs> no, I didn't. That's pretty good, though. I, no, I love, I love his media presence. He's, he's like, he, he's got a, he's got a swagger that you don't really see in a whole lot of college football coaches, and I think it's really refreshing to see that. Yeah, and I'm sure you've seen by now the video of him like talking to the players and everything like that, talking, yeah. to, you know, basically just telling them if they're not with the program to hit the portal. Yeah. I don't really like. I don't. Have a is it the best? It. Is it the best way to talk to the kids? Probably not. But like, no. that's not what they brought Dion in to do. Like they right. brought Dion in to win. And the gist of the whole speech was: if you're not with the program, then there's the door. It's not like they were like, "You suck." Here's the door. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not going to That's the way, that's the way it, it was taken out of context, kind of. Uh, yeah, it definitely was because there were longer clips of the speech that. You know, got released later and everything like that, or the guy yeah. went viral later. So it was definitely more of a if you're not with it, get out. Like right, no, yeah, and I, I fucking love that. Like you have to have that energy to to be successful. Other coaches talk like this. Oh like, yeah, it's just guarantee they do. They don't just it's not posted. Yeah, and that's the difference, and that's the but that's the again that's the thing with Dion. Like 
that's his brand. You're mm-hmm. gonna get that kind of shit. And so. he's still like way more of a players coach than it, like most other yes. coaches. So like, I mean, he's got the best. He knows what's best for the his players. And you know him coming in and saying, "Look, y'all either get with the program or you got to go." Like we're we're not trying to lose here. We're not like we can't lose here. You know, like yeah. that. You you want that? You want that out of your coach? Absolutely. And he's bringing in the staff. I mean, it's kind of like we've talked about with Cristobal assembling his staff. Like, he's put together a pretty decent staff, honestly. Um, the one holdover that he has from the previous regime is Darian Hagan, who was the running back's coach right now, but he was the starting quarterback at Colorado from 89 to 91, which is in their national champion window. Um, obviously, it's going to be big for, like, you know, boosters to keep on, you know, you're gonna keep that memory alive at least. It's gonna be really good there. But wait, they actually did they really? I, I never knew that. Well, Colorado, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> They've had success. They've won a national championship. Holy shit! Like they, they that is mind blowing to me. Just they can be a good program. Yeah, just from my lifetime and knowledge of Colorado athletics, you know, like that's just wild to me. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, they keep they they're keeping him. It sounds like uh, not sure what his role necessarily is going to be. If it's going to stick at running backs coach or if it's going to be something else or anything like that. Yeah, because he's had other roles at Colorado. He was the director of player personnel and director of player development. So it's a you know uh-huh. maybe he moves into one of those roles more than the running backs coach. But he is still on staff. You've got uh, former Kent State head coach Sean Lewis hired as the offensive coordinator. You've got Alabama associate head coach Charles Kelly, who just got hired on as the defensive coordinator as of today. You've got Tim Brewster, who was the Minnesota head coach from the Mac Brown tree. Uh, he was a longtime tight ends coach, and it sounds like he's going to be the tight ends coach for them again. Mm-hmm. Willie Taggart's back, not in a specific role, but he is hired. Yeah. Um, so he can bring some of that experience. And this, a lot, he, he's a good recruiter, so he's going to be able to bring a little bit of juice there to this program. I, he's put together a good staff. Um, I haven't heard of any guys from Jackson State that are going to go with him, but you would think that there's going to be like one or two guys that pop over there with him. Yeah, and, you know, it, the thing I like about Prime is that he's such an advocator for player, former player coaches. Um, so he's also pulling a lot of guys that, have either played or coached under some of the best coaches in college football. So he he's putting together something that could be special for sure. Yeah. And it's just, I think people are dogging on the speech to the players a little too much right now, but just the program in general, like Colorado is not necessarily where we would have imagined coach prime to end up. Yeah. But cultures can change. Out of the, for a college football team, and if anybody's going to be able to affect that kind of change in a program, it's going to be Dion. Yeah, I'm super excited to see what happens here. Yeah, uh, I'm very excited, and I mean, I think you're a poor man if you're not betting on him. Like it, it it's going. He's going to change the way like we think about college football coaching. Like I hope so. In my opinion, like yeah. I, I mean, he. Once he get like once he gets that program to where he needs it to be, like and it really they don't have to recruit at all. So it just depends on if he has the right coaches around him. That's the only yeah. question that's gonna be there, you know? Um, because they're gonna have the players. They're always gonna have the players under him. Yeah. If that secondary is not 
in the, the top like five of the Pac-12 every year at least, yeah. there's a big problem there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. rooting for Dion, and I'm going to keep rooting for him up until the minute that he takes a recruit that Notre Dame's wanting. That I'm out. <laughs> but uh, no, like I, th- I think he's going to be really good for the FBS, honestly, especially for a program like Colorado. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I'm glad. I, you know, he he has been getting some flack from people. I think unnecessarily for leaving an HBCU because you know he was he, he he was very big about HBCU advocacy and everything like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I I think he accomplished what he needed to. You know, um, I would agree in the short time that he did. Uh, he, I, like you know, Jackson State has always been a a, a very well known program. Um, they were good for a while under their uh maybe a coach or two ago. They had for like you know eleven years, like or twenty years or something. He's not that. You know, you can't expect him to be that. He he's he's his persona is too high for a non playoff eligible team you know right um so and, you know obviously his aspirations are through the roof they always have been you know this this prime but uh yeah like i i thought he did a, a very good job for putting hbcus more on the map in general not just jackson state you know um getting more eyes on them and more funding advocating for more funding for them yeah. So I, I think he I think he accomplished what he set out to in a in a short term span. Yeah, and I, it's one of those things with with coaches with a profile like Dion's, who very obviously used to being in the spotlight and everything like that. Like if you weren't expecting him to go to the power five at some point, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Like is it a little bit hypocritical? Maybe. I I don't think I have the authority to really speak on that a whole lot, but I don't think that anybody was really looking at his stint at Jackson State as something resembling a lifetime gig. Right, right. Even outside of Florida State, like yeah, he was get he was getting a lot of smoke for the Auburn job and everything like that. Like I don't think anybody thought he was going to be the one to like stick around and you know to fully realize what was going to, what he wanted out of HBCUs. And it is a process and hopefully that he, he does continue to try to do some good things for HBCUs. Like maybe mm-hmm. he schedules a few of them for his at a conference games and everything like that to raise their profile. Yeah. That'd um, be good. Yeah. That's a, that's a way that he can do that. But it like the dude was going to go power five. There's yeah. Yeah. No question about that. Yeah. Assuming he was good enough to do it, which he was right. Yeah. But Really exciting hire there for Colorado. Going to see, be excited to see what he does going forward here. Uh, a few more open jobs we have. We've got Purdue, who obviously needs to fill the hole for Jeff Brom. Uh, it sounds like their wide receivers coach might be their their interim, so it could be interesting to see what happens there if he ends up. Who knows? Maybe he coaches well enough in the bowl that he gets a job. Doesn't really happen with interims a whole lot, but you know, uh-huh. it's happened. It's happened once this year already with uh, with Key down at Georgia Tech. We've got North Texas, who just fired their head coach either yesterday or today after going bowl eligible. Um, Western Michigan job is open as well, and Stanford is another one that's open. It's probably the more Stanford or Purdue going to be the highest profile there. Yeah. Stanford getting pretty heavily linked to uh, Greg Roman, who is the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, which I feel like he would be pretty good 
putting yeah. his scheme at Stanford. Like that sound that that feels right. Yeah, I'd agree there. Um, so, still got a lot to see though with that port with uh, with the coaching carousel here, especially with coordinator positions and everything like that. You, you're still going to see some movement there, I think. So, uh, definitely going to keep an eye on this going forward. But in other news, this week the transfer portal opened, and boy, did it get filled! <laughs> yeah. uh, as of today, over a thousand. FBS players have entered the transfer portal, which is nuts. 780 of them entered on Monday, and we're recording on Wednesday. So the vast majority of the players that entered entered in on Monday. And we will, over the course of the next couple weeks, talk a little bit more about the transfer portal once we get commitments from guys to who figure out where they're actually landing. But I think for today it's really going to be good to focus on just the most important position on a football team, the quarterback. We've had quite a few relatively high-profile quarterbacks transfer out this offseason. So just taking a look at what some of these guys have done uh, going forward here. Um, we talked earlier, Drake May obviously not transferring or anything like that, but some of these names that we've had, uh, Cade McNamara transferred out from Michigan. He's already committed to Iowa, so he's going to be a Hawkeye, which I love that for Iowa. Like They need something. They need something in that offense. He is miles better than Spencer Petras, I will say yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, another guy that's already committed, Phil Dracovic, uh transferred out from Boston College and has committed to the University of Pittsburgh, which uh, – <laughs> so Phil Dracovic, former Notre Dame kid, um, oh, never okay. really panned – yeah, never really panned out at, Ohio's, or at Notre Dame, uh, sat behind Ian Book, transferred yeah. out because of that. He didn't was not a big fan of Brian Kelly, and it sounds like there were some issues behind the scenes with him and Kelly. Um, that turned into some public comments being made about Notre Dame once he's left. So he he likes to complain about Notre Dame quite a bit. Yeah, and he's going to Pittsburgh, where the head coach there, Pat Narduzzi, loves bitching about Notre Dame. So <laughs> match made in heaven for that one. So, uh, especially uh, in Boston. Especially even Boston College, you know, that's two Notre Dame rivals pretty much. Oh, well, it, oh, yeah. So the thing he said this year, right before Notre Dame played Boston College, was talking about how Notre Dame is appropriating Irish culture by playing shipping up to Boston and shit like that. And it's just like, shut up. Yeah, you're not bigger than that. You're not bigger than them. Like, <laughs> yeah. And he was yeah. getting first round. Like, he before the season, he was getting like discussion of being a first round draft pick and shit like that. So, like, yeah, you can't, he, you he can't was hurt, be. so he he couldn't play in the Notre Dame game because he has been injured, and Boston College has been just fucking ravaged by injuries this season. Like, they lost their whole offensive line. They lost Dracovic, like, midway through the year. So, like, that you know, not necessarily his fault yeah. that things happened the way they did, but he also wasn't necessarily contributing to any positives there. But, yeah, yeah so he – that's going to be fun, especially since Notre Dame does play them next year. They are on the schedule. So that's going to be the opportunity for a quote-unquote revenge game there. But no other really big commits from the quarterbacks. And so we're just going to talk about a few of these guys who have put their name in the portal. And we're going to start with Luke Altmeyer, who transferred out of uh, Ole Miss. I almost said Notre Dame there. It's not Notre Dame. Um, 2021 PFF grade of 60.8. So below average grade there. A uh, couple schools that could potentially be interested in him or are interested in him. 
Arizona State, he was recruited by Kenny Dillingham when Dillingham was at Florida State, so that's an option there. We got Georgia Tech, uh, University of Louisiana, Lafayette, Memphis, and Southern Miss. So not necessarily a lot of uh, big names there. Yeah. But uh, I think Arizona State would probably be a good landing spot for him, uh, especially with a guy that did recruit him. He's probably pretty familiar with the system there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just tough because – you know Lane Kiffin is just going to keep hitting the portal if he needs to for these quarterbacks. If he can't, if he can't hit on one out of high school, he's going to hit on one in the portal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and I don't blame him. Like, no, it's an, it's the nature of the the sport right now, which is fine. Like, yeah, if people are serious about one of their teams to compete for national titles, like you need to be fine with the portal the way it is. Yeah, yeah. Like th- that's just really how it's got to be. But uh, tech could be pretty interesting uh, for a, another Power Five team. Obviously, they've got a lot of roster turnover. Um, Jeff Sims transferring out of there, so there there is a potential opening there. Just got to see what he has as a program and what he wants to do for an offensive staff there. it's I don't really know a whole lot about what they run offensively there. I know they got rid of the triple option at one point, so if they end up bringing that back, you can't think that would be too attractive to quarterbacks. No, no. Get me away from that. You want to hand it off 40 times? <laughs> yeah, or tuck it and run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so is going to be – we're just going to go in alphabetical order for a few of these. Okay, so Altmaier's yeah. the first one here. And, uh, not – actually, no, we're not going alphabetical order because <laughs> the very next one – the very next one is DJU, who is uh, transferring out of Clemson. Pretty expected, I would say. We saw that a couple weeks into the season, but he was probably going to be gone. Yeah. Um, just – He's we talked about earlier, just wasn't good in this scheme for whatever reason. Don't know if it's him, don't know if it's a scheme issue, but uh, he's gonna have suitors for sure. He was a five star prospect and he was a five star prospect for a reason. We have seen flashes of that talent, and it's gonna be up to a coaching staff to figure out if they can actually get that talent back. Um, pretty heavily favored to be on the west coast at this point. I know there's a lot of smoke right now to UCLA, um, Oregon also an option. They have a five-star coming in next year in Dante Moore, but you know it's going to be one of those things where do you really want to have a true freshman starting when you have a team that could be contending for the Pac-12 title? Yeah. Um, so DJ, you might be a guy that they're interested in just to see if they could get him in as a scheme fit there. That, um, that makes sense, logically, in my opinion, Oregon. Um, yeah. I just think they have a better surrounding team than UCLA does. Um I don't know how many seniors UCLA has or anything or Oregon, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that would be a solid option for him, Oregon or UCLA. What do you think about him going to Notre Dame? I, I do know that he's not on their board. Okay, so the, he that was an option that was floated at one point, uh, especially like midway through the season, around the time that they played each other. Honestly, but yeah, uh, it sounds like Notre Dame is going to be tar- has like three or four specific guys that they're targeting at this point. DJU is not one of them. So, okay. Uh, Virginia is an option. If we're sticking on the East coast, obviously Tony Elliott, his old offensive coordinator is there now. Um, Jeff Scott was his old offensive coordinator who was at Clemson and he doesn't have a job as of right now. So it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up. Yeah. Uh, that might affect that, but UCLA, like Chip Kelly's offense is just fun. Yeah, and we've talked about wanting him to just care about recruiting. So if he can get a guy with the talent level DJU has, maybe that can do something. Um, but yeah, it, 
I think he ends up back on the West Coast. I think that's kind of the long and short of it at this point. I think I'd agree. Um, especially, you know, going from ACC to Pac-12, like that's it's whatever. Um, yeah. You're not going to see that much of a difference, to be honest. Yep. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, he has one year left, huh? I believe. Two. I think he has two years left. Okay. Um that might be three, honestly. Yeah. Because I feel like he made his start in 2020 as a true freshman, and I think he kept his red shirt from that. So he might still have, like, three years left, honestly. Okay. Well, I mean, um, Oregon, maybe not then, just because, you know, Dante Moore's coming in. So As of right now, Dante Moore's coming in. You never know. Right. Obviously, with, uh, with uh, Kenny Dillingham leaving there. That's true. There could be some – hold over there, some turnover there. But, yeah, as of right now, he's committed to Oregon, so we have to assume that he's going. Right, right. So, I mean, yeah, like, I, in my, if it were me, I mean, if it were me, I'd go to UCLA or Oregon, but... Uh, yeah. Tim, yeah. You and me both. Yeah. Yeah, so I, this one is going to be one of the more interesting ones because while I do think he is going to end up on the West Coast, I think there are plenty of options for him elsewhere that uh-huh. we could find him out ending up at. Plus, it'll be good to see if he, you know, actually has the talent. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next up, we've got kind of a surprising pick here. Austin Reed transferring out of Western Kentucky. Uh, I, the leading passer in the FBS, we're talking about just like in terms of raw production and everything like that. Yeah. Um, he started off his career Division Two at West Florida, and he – uh, this is his first year at Western Kentucky. Like he, he's a good player. Like he, he the dude can ball. Yeah, um, it remains to be said on what he can do once you get to a higher level of competition. I don't know if any team that is seriously considering themselves a contender is willing to take a shot on him just because of the level of competition. Are they but, allowed? To, are they allowed to bring him in for like a workout? See that I don't know. I think they're allowed to bring him in for visits. Because I know there are players yeah. that you can bring in for visits and everything like that. So maybe workouts are a part of that. I have to imagine the teams are going to want to put them through a workout if they do bring them up. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, moving up to a higher level also means higher level receivers, you know. It, also a very good point. Um, so it just depends on how good this, you know, how, how good he looks in a workout, uh, uh, how accurate he is, you know. Um, it just yeah, teams going to have to do their due diligence due diligence on him. Oh, exactly. Got to figure out where this where he's going to end up, what his actual talent level is and Exactly. Who knows? Maybe his ceiling is just really that high. Like Yeah, I mean, you know, like you never know. Yeah. Next up we've got Graham Mertz transferring out of Wisconsin. Not necessarily unsurprised there. He has definitely not produced for what his uh his rating was coming out of high school there was a five-star recruit and just really never after that first season where he was lighting it up, he just never mm-hmm. really put it together. Um, I've got no, got no lead on where this dude is going to end up. Like yeah. you would think that he has enough talent to be a starter at a power five school, but I don't know which one. Yeah. I mean, going from Wisconsin, they, they obviously saw something in him. Um, Could he end up at like Kentucky? I mean, maybe. Uh, I I think Kentucky would prefer Austin Reed, if I'm being honest. Yeah, probably. 
because I mean, you know, they already probably looked at him at Western Kentucky, like you're in the same state. Shit. Yeah, hometown kid. I don't imagine yeah. they would take a look at him, but yeah, just I, it's tough to really get a good grip on where we should be evaluating and where should be we should be looking at merch to end up as because, like, if you look at his PFF grade, like it wasn't the worst. Like, yeah, he, he graded out as a seventy-five point three. Like that's about average. Yeah, but. If you just actually like look at him on the field, like they weren't doing a whole lot with him, and that so, could be, more so be on that could more so be on Wisconsin, just how much they love to run the it ball. It could be, it could definitely be on Wisconsin. That's it, and it makes it a smaller sample size when you have such a run heavy team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, we've got Keaton Slovis transferring out of Pitt. Uh, obviously, with Phil Jakovic coming into Pitt, you know, spot. Needs to be uh, vacated there for him. Yeah. Um, I Arizona State. He's he's from Scottsdale. That's an option for him. Besides that, you would think he would end up at like a lower tier Power Five gig. I don't know where though. So he doesn't have to sit out a year, right? Because this is back to back year of transferring, right? Uh, I, I think he came from he, he he came from USC into Pitt last year. Yeah. So I don't know if maybe this is his grad transfer or not. Okay. Okay. I'd imagine it's a grad transfer that he gets a waiver somehow. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense then. Oh. Yeah. He had a, he had some good games with Pitt. Like he had some he had some flashes there, but it was wasn't able to consistently put it together. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Like Arizona State seems like a pretty solid link just because he is from Scottsdale. But besides that, it's an it's another one where you had to look at some of these like lower tier Power Five schools that you could see yeah. him ending up at. <clears throat> yeah, it's a toss up at that point. Yep. So next up, we've got Hudson Card from transferring out from Texas, which not surprising. Obviously, Quinn Ewers is his job to lose, and then you got Arch Manning coming in next year. So yeah. not really space for Card if he does want to start. Getting more smoke than I thought he would from some bigger programs. He looked he looked fine. Well, yeah. Like, I he, mean, he is a player on Notre Dame's board. I'll say that he's one yeah. of the he's one of the three or four guys that's on Notre Dame's board. Um. I don't know, man. Like for me, from what I did watch of him this year, and I've I've taken a look at some of his tape and everything like that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem like a guy that's going to elevate Notre Dame any higher than what it was, and yeah. that's the tough thing. That's like he might, he might, he he can he has a little more arm talent than Pine. Like he is able to read and progress through reads better than Pine was, who just locked on the mayor like ninety percent of the time. So there's always a chance that he's able to do a little bit more there, but yeah. I feel like if Notre Dame, at least they should be shooting for a guy who has been proven to elevate a team, you know? Yeah. And I think it would be another instance where card is being elevated by the team around him, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's very evident, you know, against the game against Alabama, like they hung with him. So obviously yeah. the, the surrounding team is good. Yeah. But you got some other teams here that are in for him. You got TCU looking potentially at him. Um, Kentucky, which I feel like that could be a pretty good fit. You mentioned them earlier when we talked about Mertz, but him and Austin Reed are probably going to be two of Kentucky's targets there. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin and Oklahoma State, now that Spencer Sanders has transferred out, um, I could I could definitely see him fitting in at Wisconsin pretty well. So that'll be interesting to see if he ends up there. But yeah, uh, he's – out of the guys that we've mentioned, besides DJU, he's probably got the most options for him. Yeah, probably just because of um, sample size. Yeah. But <laughs> next up, we've got the guy that is transferring out of Notre Dame, Drew Pine. No idea where the dude is going to end up. 
I honestly think he might be just a G5 guy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sucks to say, but, like, he, I mean. Like, he. He, he knew where as, he was going with the ball every time. The defense. Well, knew you where knew where he was, he was going, and he's, like, he's sub six foot. Like, he's not. And he doesn't have the arm talent to be. He doesn't. He's he, yeah. he can make throws occasionally. Those like longer intermediate throws to deep throws, but yeah, not consistently to the point where you're relying on them. Like he he's just not a power five guy, which sucks because like in terms of like work work ethic and everything like that, the dude culturally huge fit, just didn't do it on a physical level and on the game and on the field. Like he. You get some argument from Notre Dame fans about how good he actually was this season. I tend to be on the side of he was kind of carried by the team around him. Yeah. Um, but he, he is a good enough player to be on a Power 5 roster. He's just not a Power 5 starter. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So, don't know where he ends up. Hopefully, it's at a good G5 program or at a lower tier Power 5, but... I really do wish nothing but the best for him. Like, I, I, he's a great player. I just, I just don't think he's really got it. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Next up, Spencer Sanders transferring out of Oklahoma State. Uh, got a few options here. Notre Dame again. He's not a guy on their board, but he did just announce his decision to transfer either today or yesterday. So maybe that's changed since then. Mm. Uh, Florida and Tennessee also options. Him and Tennessee is pretty interesting. Um, Obviously, that offense has got some really high potential there, but you got Joe Milton already there, and then you've got Nico Iamaleava, who's coming in as a freshman, who is probably going to start after next year no matter what. So I don't know if you're a guy like Spencer. Like Spencer Sanders has a lot of starting experience, so maybe that can be really valuable to a team like Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he's had he's been streaky this year. I'll say that. Like He's had games where he stepped up, and it made it seem like he was take, making some progress from last year, but then you had other games where he just felt like he was back into the same things that were issues last year. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree. Um, I mean, I don't know where he's going to end up. I see Florida as an option. Um, it... Richardson's declared for the draft, right? I thought I saw that today. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't seen that. I, yeah, it was either him or Levis that definitely declared. I can't remember which one. I want to say it's Richardson, though. So okay, there is an opening there at Florida then. Yeah, and, uh, there's definitely an opening, you know, especially since they don't have a backup. Um, yep. Fucked up situation. But, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I think Florida's – I mean, I, I'll – Florida and Tennessee is just tough to pick between. Or no, sorry, not Tennessee. Um, yeah, Florida is just is is tough. Uh, I mean, he's a power five starter. I just don't know what level. Yeah, yeah, and, you know whether it's SEC or you know ACC or something like that. I mean, he how did he look this year? I didn't really watch him that much. Again, streaky. It's just yeah. He, he had some games where he looked on it and where he looked like he was making real progress and then other games where he just progressed back to what he was last year. So okay, yeah. just really, if you got to be able to find a coach that can consistently get that out of him. Yeah. I mean, shit, what's his name? Uh, fuck, I'm blanking on the Florida coach's name. 
UL guy last year. Billy Napier. Billy Napier, that's what it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's a good coach. Then, like, I know at UL, they had some really good development at quarterback. Um, so maybe, maybe he can get it done with him. Definitely a possibility. So be curious to see where he ends up there. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got Devin Leary transferring out of NC State. This is my preferred pick for Notre Dame's quarterback. He is one of the three that's on Notre Dame's board here. Um, he had an insane 2021. He was uh, 84.6 grade on PFF in 2021, 78.9 in 2020. He had a bad year this year. He was also playing hurt a lot, and NC State's O-line just not good. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be a great fit for Notre Dame. Like putting him behind Notre Dame's offensive line, who ended up playing a lot better as the year went on. Got some real weapons potentially next year, even though Michael Mayer's leaving. You got they're actually bringing potentially bringing in some receivers through the portal, and then their recruiting class. It's their best recruit. It's their best receiver recruiting class in the modern era for Notre Dame, which mm-hmm. is a pretty low bar. But they've got some good guys coming in. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot that could be could go really well by bringing Leary into Notre Dame. But he's got he's got options. Uh, mm-hmm. Florida's another one that's an option for him. Illinois which seems out of left field, but his brother is actually a quarterback on the roster. So maybe, you know, there's an, the option to go play with family there. Yeah. Uh, Mizzou is an option too. Uh, he, he is definitely a power five starter material. So if there's a team that is looking for a starter at the power five level, he should be an option for teams. I don't know if he is necessarily going to be one that's like contender level. Like, I don't know if Bama or Georgia or Ohio state are going to be looking at him, uh-huh. but um, he could, he is the quarterback that can elevate a lot of teams. Yeah. I just, I just don't know if that upper echelon is one of the, or any of those teams. Yeah. And then, you know, he, especially if it gets into, in a playoff question, can he compete against those teams? You know? And the injury concerns, from what I've gathered, are pretty real. Um, yeah. Obviously, pretty serious injury that took him out for the rest of the year this year. There are concerns since he wouldn't be available till after spring. If schools want to actually have a competition for the job in spring ball, like he wouldn't be present for it. So yeah, I mean, that, and, it and makes it tough. And it's also less time for him to, or less practice, especially less practice time for him to get the scheme and system in. Exactly. Um, so. It, Gotta it be just, real careful with that. Yeah, yeah. It just depends if you want to take a chance on that. Yep. Uh, next up, we've got Jeff Sims transferring out of Georgia Tech. He, I mean, he played decently well for Georgia Tech this year. Like the Georgia Tech had some games where they were putting up some a few points here and there, but mm-hmm. I I don't know where this dude is going to end up. Honestly, like I didn't watch a ton of Georgia Tech football this year because they just frankly were not that good most of the time. So yeah. Um, Bennett, he helped kind of put together this, this grade chart for us and everything. He had a, he had a 64.1 grade on PFF this year, uh, 55.1 passing grade though, and 74 running grade. So yeah, I, I don't know what schools are going to look at that and be like, Oh yeah, this is going to be our guy. Yeah. I mean, especially not an SEC school. I mean, I would think like Louisville would be his best shot. Um, best shot at, you know, playing and doing well, yeah. in my opinion. Um, like, as you see, you need, you need to have somewhat of a passer. You can't do it with just a guy that can run. Exactly. Uh, so, especially, you know, especially Florida and Tennessee, those are schools that are consistently trying to go to the playoff. Yep. I can't, yeah. I, I feel like he'll probably be like a lower end power five guy, maybe higher end G five guy, but 
Yeah. Like the running talent is obviously there. Like he, he has some talent. It's just, maybe it's just a matter of consistency and finding a good scheme fit for him. Who knows? Yeah. But our last guy here is Brennan Armstrong from Virginia transferring out. Um, he did not have a good year this year, but nobody on that Virginia team had a good year this year. I don't think Tony Elliott's first year. And that was just a God awful team. Um, his two years prior though, he was damn good. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, surprised I actually know this guy. Um, or like know of him, you know, uh, he was, he was all pretty electric. Yeah. It's all because of the year before I, and I, shit, I thought he wasn't going to be there this year. So it was weird to see that they weren't that as good, you know? Um, but I mean, for him, like, what do you think about him possibly going to Notre Dame? I, I'm concerned by the, by how he performed this year. I will say that, uh, it's kind of the same situation with Leary, but Armstrong, like the injury excuse, quote unquote, isn't necessarily there. Like, I, I think there's definitely reason to be concerned, but he would be an upgrade in the QB room. So, like, he would be a guy that you would definitely bring in to compete to start. But he's not a guy like Devin Leary. You could probably say, yeah, you're probably going to start this year. Armstrong would be more of those tier guys that you would say, we're going to compete to start. But, yeah, I, I I don't know. Like, he is definitely going to be a guy that's a target on their board. I just don't know what tier he is on that board and whether or not he's going to be one of the primary guys that they pursue. But I think they're definitely going to kick the tires on him at least. Yeah, yeah. Kentucky is another one I could see him going to because just they're going to need a guy. Will Levis is probably out for the draft, which, mm-hmm. again, don't get it. But <laughs> No, not at all. Like, it's one of the uh, – I don't know. Like, obviously, the intangibles are there. Measurables are there. Yeah. But I don't know how you can look at his 2022 tape and be like, yeah, this is a guy that's going to be a first-round pick. No. No. And, and, like, even last year, I would say last year was his better year. And even then, like, he didn't shock the world. You know what I mean? He didn't pop on the the tape. Like, yeah. Um, I, I, th- I think last year, just like the team overall was better and that's why he was better. But, um, I would agree with that. So, but regardless, the spot's going to be open on Kentucky. So they're definitely going to be in the market for some of these guys who are transferring out. Um, just going to be a matter of who lands where we yeah. still got plenty of time, before, especially before national signing day to get this all figured out. Mm-hmm. I think we're probably going to see a, once we start to see a couple of these quarterback dominoes fall, I think we're going to see a lot of them fall. Yeah, uh, just kind of the nature of the position, and then you're going to see some of these skill positions like receivers. There's going to be a lot of receivers in the portal this year. You're going to see a lot of them end up committing based on where some of these quarterbacks end up. So definitely over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the portal quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, I'm excited to ramp up, talk more bowl games, um, bowl games, recruiting. Yeah, like it, it's getting to be. This is the part where, like, if you're playing NCAA, like, if you're doing the yeah, yeah, yeah. or the NCAA video game, like, uh, it's like, okay, this is the good shit right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me get, let me get to the uh, team building. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, it it's gonna be a fun off season. Uh, I'm hoping for a better bowl season than last year. I remember it last year being like subpar. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, I think with just the parity that we had in college football this year, you're going to oh, see a I, lot of good matchups. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it, like top to bottom, 
all over the place. There's going to be some games pop up that are more surprising than we thought going into them, you know? Uh, yep. So, yeah, I'm excited to see the way everything shakes out. Same here. But, yeah, I think anything else portal-wise, anything else coaching-wise, any you got anything else for us tonight? No. Um, how we, I, I got one question for you. How would you grade Notre Dame season under Marcus Freeman? I give it a B. Okay. B leaning B minus. Okay. Um, realistically, like, obviously the win against Clemson, statement win. Yeah. Um, the USC game, they ended up losing by double digits, but it was really, like, that fumble on the handoff that Drew Pine had was that, the yeah. decide. That was the thing that decided how that game was going to go. Yeah. So it's one of those things with the Ross. Like once Buckner went down, not that he necessarily played very well before that. Like I think he played well enough in the Ohio State game, but the Marshall game was really bad. So, but I think he would have been better by the end of the season than Pine was. Um, yeah. So it's hard to. It, it's hard to give them a much worse grade than a B minus because of the injury at quarterback that that was going to be their guy this season. Um, right. And, and, you know, you still had some good wins. Like, yeah, had we had, yeah. had good wins and we kept it a lot closer with Ohio state than a lot of people were given credit for. Uh, but those losses against Marshall and Stanford, like you can't really yeah. give it like a B. You can't give it a B plus. You're really stretching to give it a B at that point. So yeah, I, yeah. I would say B B at the highest, B minus, probably the most realistic there. Yeah. Uh, a lot to be excited about going into next year, though, with uh, with the way Absolutely. the recruiting class is shaking up. This this might be their best recruiting class of the modern era, just top to bottom talent. Um, you know, I was taking a look around and just the average, the average two four seven ratings on some position groups, just jumping up by like two hundred spots in mm -hmm. certain positions like cornerback and everything like that. Like Marcus Freeman is serious about recruiting and it is paying dividends. So I'm excited yeah. to see what they get, what they do going forward. Cause the wins will come. Like, yeah. I think we've seen enough that, to know that Freeman is a good coach. He obviously, you know, has a lot to learn and had, you know, made some mistakes, which all of these first year head coaches are going to do. But I, I could not be more excited going into the next season. As yeah, now. that's great. And yeah, and you know, especially the future beyond that. Like you know, once yeah. these guys develop and get older, and you know, get into starting positions and be the team. Like that's this is the recruiting class that builds the team and builds like the culture. So, yeah, definitely exciting stuff out of Notre Dame. Um, I will say for LSU, I feel like next year has to be our year because. Okay. It's going to be so hard being an SEC team trying to trying to win the championship, especially if you go undefeated, because it, we all know how hard it is to beat a team twice. We yeah. saw it last year in the SEC championship and then the national championship. Um, Have they confirmed what their like what their no, pod is going to be? No. Or uh, they're talking about no divisions, no pods. Just boring. I saw that. Yeah, that was I, that I was the most that. recent thing. Yeah, I hate that so much and. Uh, I mean, I think the Big Ten model is the the premier model. I think that needs to be the model, um, where you know every team's three permanent is different. Um, I don't but, think even I don't think even that has been confirmed yet, though, because okay, I know next year at least they're sticking. Next year they are definitely sticking with divisions. 
but right. after that, well, things USC, are going to change. Well, that's yeah. USC and UCLA aren't coming in next year, correct? Yeah, correct. They're okay. not coming in until twenty twenty four. So that's okay. that's where we're going to see the big shakeup there. But I don't think I think that is like the prevailing method that's being favored by everybody in the Big Ten, but yeah. it hasn't been confirmed yet. But to your point, I agree. The three permanents and then rotating the rest for yeah. the conference schedule is going to be the way to go there. So yeah, so like once it moves to twelve. I mean, as an OSU fan, I'd rather lose to Bama in the regular season, win out, win every other game, not even play in the SEC championship game. You know, Alabama will probably be undefeated if that's our only loss. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and then we would still get in the playoff, and then we'd have a better shot at beating Alabama because we lost to them, you know? Yeah. Like, it's hard it, to be seen twice, like you said. Yeah. Um, so it, it it's very exciting moving forward. Just makes it a little, that much harder to win coming out of the SEC, in my opinion. Definitely. And I think it's all going to be a new moot point for Notre Dame just because I think they're going to end up joining the Big Ten here in the next few years. But the the current system where they have zero shot at a bye and therefore they have a chance for one home game at best in the playoff. Like, yeah, there, there is some momentum for the quarterfinals also being played on campuses, which is awesome. I hope they yeah. do that. Same. Uh, but that would be, you know, Notre Dame could. In theory, Notre Dame could be the best team in the country at a certain point, but then just because they're not in a conference, they would only get one home game instead of right. the two that they would be, you know, quote unquote owed. So I think they're going to end up joining conference. So again, I think that's going to be rendered moot by mm-hmm. just whatever happens with realignment. But the system itself, I think, is just going to be awesome for college football. It's just going to make oh yeah, it's good for the health of the sport. I think you know, obviously. We could talk more about that, especially as we get closer to this year's playoff. But yeah, uh, just exciting time with the Bulls coming up and everything. We get to see kind of one last hurrah for what these teams are made of. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, man. Well, I think it's uh, it's getting late enough in the evening. I'm going to let you go. Uh, Thank you for hopping on and talking the end of the regular season with me. I appreciate you coming on, especially appreciate your uh, especially on LSU. Appreciate your insight on that. So uh, thank you guys all for listening as well. Be sure to like, share, review, subscribe, all that good stuff to the pod. Uh, you know, tell your friends, tell your parents, all that good shit. Um, follow us on Twitter at TNTCFB pod, where we will be shit posting with everybody else about the Iowa bowl game, which is almost <laughs> certainly going to hit an under Iowa, Kentucky. That is going to be that's going to be the sicko bowl of the year. I'm yep. so ready for that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, follow, join us on discord, chat it up with us. We're ready to talk shop with you guys. But in the meantime, with two weeks left until early signing day, don't tweet at recruits. Don't do it. Thanks everybody. All right. Good night, everybody.